This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So, uh, man, crazy day. We were talking about this guy, Daniel Perry, the other day, and he got convicted. If you don't know who he is, He's the guy who was driving Uber in Austin wearing shorts, flip-flops, and a t-shirt when far-left extremists surrounded his car, one with an AK-47, pointed at him, and then he fired in self-defense. They opened fire on him. He fled, called the police, and they claimed he attempted to, he wanted to murder these people. And so he was convicted. Right now, many prominent personalities are calling on Greg Abbott of Texas to pardon this man. He was convicted in, in Texas, in Austin. And I got to tell you guys, I keep having people, you know, they had said to me over and over again before we relocated from New Jersey, they're like, you got to go to Texas, man. You got to go to Texas. Everyone's going to Austin. And I was like, Austin is like the California of Texas. Why would I go there? Why would I want to be in Texas in general? And well, there's a fair point. It's a, it was a purple state. Now it's turning red because people moved there. So I accept that. But at the same time, look what they're doing to people. We're going to go over this story. This one, this one's kind of crazy. And then to get into the details about what's going on at the same time, this guy's going to jail. You have Riley Gaines, the swimmer, who's speaking out about men competing in women's sports, being physically attacked, forced into, into hiding in, at the University of Kentucky. And these conversations need to happen. Because what is the left doing? They're holding up seven fingers as they storm the capital of Tennessee, claiming that the mass murderer in, in Nashville is a victim. That's their narrative. And they'll keep playing it. Yet the man who was defending himself while just wearing t-shirt and shorts in his car, was a, was, had, a, had a gun pointed at him, he is the bad guy. So we're going to talk about all of that. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TimCast.com, become a member by clicking Join Us right there on the left, and you'll get access to members-only uncensored shows Monday through Thursday, but also our Discord community. When you sign up, you can get access to various chat rooms where you can hang out with other like-minded individuals and the community building thing is a big component of what we're trying to get done. If you're a member for at least six months or you sign up at the $25 level, you'll get access to the VIP chat room, which allows you to submit questions to call into our after shows Monday through Thursday. So definitely check that out. Don't forget to smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. We got a couple people joining us tonight. We've got from OA, is it OAN, right? Yes. Or is it OAN? Yes. We got Karen McKinney. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. Who are you? What do you do? So my name is Kara McKinney. I host Tipping Point on One American News. I've been doing that for about three years. Started with the company about six years ago, writing and producing in the newsroom. So it's been a fun journey up and up to wherever we go next. So Right on. So you've been tracking a lot of news, you know a bit about what's going on? Ever, yeah. The stuff we're talking about today, you know, ever since I was little, I kind of started like um, debating teachers. That was my biggest thing. So I kind of like that. I, I find it fun. I kind of thrive in that. Right on. Cool. Well, we got a lot to talk about. And then we also got in the uh, uh, the reserve chair, we got Clint. He's back. Clint Russell, Liberty Lockdown, as well as Tower Gang co-host, maybe one day soon, a Tim Cass employee. We'll find out. Um, poker with the boys. Poker with the boys, baby. Let's go. Uh, Tim and I played today, and we wiped the floor with everybody, so I feel like we're we're on a good... That's right. That, that, we, we, were, we were doing a little test run, 
and uh, wipe the floor with everybody as per oh, usual. You, you know, and so uh, yeah, that's the plan. We're we're getting everything built for uh, poker with the boys. So so Clint's here. We're gonna have him on the show while he's here. And then uh, we got Hannah Claire hanging out. Hi, I'm Hannah Claire. I'm a current TimCast employee. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. I'm Ian Cross, and some days are dark, and sometimes we talk about the dark, spinning depth of the black hole sur- that we're surrounding. But listen, sometimes you get a white pill, and that was today when Vivek Ram- Vivek Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> we talked about was on <laughs> yeah the Culture War podcast with Tim. If you haven't seen it yet, it's on the Tim Pool channel. Man, they went for two hours. Vivek is running for president in the Republican Party, and the guy has solutions. It, it, really impressive. Yeah, I. I'll stress that too. Uh, YouTube.com slash Timcast or on Apple and Spotify, the Culture War podcast. Vivek really is one of the. I, I, look, I, I was honest. I said, I think I'll vote for you in the primary. Donald Trump will win and I'll vote for Trump in the general. And he's like, okay, we'll see, we'll see. But in terms of knowing what's going on, having solutions, and actually, I mean, he, he was talking about defunding the FBI, about firing most of the Federal Reserve, really gutting these things, foreign policy stuff. He went all at it so but brilliant dude exceptionally and you really got to see him to know like it's worth watching just to understand the, words won't do him justice you got to see the to, to to understand he made this point as we were talking about algorithmic manipulation he said something like people what, what did he say he said people thought the ai monster was gonna be a robot with laser eyes but it's not it's dylan mulvaney it's people who are manipulated by the algorithms into becoming things that are out of sync or, or disruptive to society. Well, let us keep each other in check and not become the disruptive force uh, that we so fear. Uh, yeah. We also have Kellen over here. What's happening? Hey, Fridays are the best days. What's up, guys? It's Kellen. Let's get this thing started. All right. Here's the first story from the Daily Mail. Army sergeant is convicted of murdering Black Lives Matter protester by shooting him dead during July 2020 riots in wake of George Floyd murder. Daniel Perry, 37, a 37-year-old Uber driver and Army sergeant, was driving through downtown Austin on the night of July 25th, 2020. He ended up in the middle of a BLM march and in an altercation with protester Garrett Foster. Uh, Full stop. That's not what happened. Daily Mail's wrong. Foster just walked up to his car with a rifle, pointed it at him, and then this guy fired back. That's, That's it. He didn't, like, yell at him or anything. Nobody was yelling. Perry shot Foster dead. Claimed it was self-defense, but on Friday, jury found him guilty of murdering Foster. There's a, there's a few key details which need to be mentioned. First, I will say there is a widespread push from tons of conservative personalities calling on Greg Abbott to pardon this man. And I agree. Not like this guy. Look, this guy certainly said some things that I find questionable in, in the past, but that is no bearing on the fact that he's an Uber driver. He's wearing shorts and a T-shirt and flip flops. And a guy wearing a vest with a rifle and a mask marching with BLM points a gun at him, and then he fires in self-defense. If they were going to say, you know, reckless endangerment or something, I'd roll my eyes and be like, well, you know, they're getting a whatever. But murder and life in prison, that's what they're going for. They say he was driving through, found himself in the midst of a protest, blah, 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 blah. Let me scroll down. Defense lawyers said that Foster raised his AK-47 at Perry and that Perry fired in self-defense. Witnesses have said during the trial that Foster never raised his rifle at Perry. Well, of course, the witnesses are BLM protesters. Of course, they are likely to lie. A jury found him guilty. In their closing arguments, they insisted he had no choice but to shoot Foster five times as he approached Perry's car with an AK-47. Prosecutors said Perry had plenty of choices, including driving away. Full stop. How many stories have we heard where people who drove away were accused of hit hit and run or something because people are banging on their car? So, did he? And they opened fire on him. I, I don't care. If you're rioting and you're carrying weapons and you approach someone and they, and they, and they're, and they, they panic because you're pointing a weapon at them, sorry. And of course, I just don't believe the, 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 the BLM people. However, they say Perry also said that in Texas, you could get away with shooting them. 
They mentioned his social media posts. That's probably what got him. You should not say that stuff. Perry's phone showed he was texting a woman shortly before the encounter with Foster. The woman he wanted to meet up with sent him a text asking for money. This is an age-old story about a man who couldn't keep his anger under control. It's not about police. It's not about protest marchers. It is. There's video. I'm I'm, I'm not going to play the video. But look, people have a right to keep and bear arms. People have a right to march down the street with those weapons. You don't have a right to be part of a group that is that has committed several acts of terrorism over the past over the previous days and then surround someone's vehicle while pointing a rifle at them. That's just that you've crossed the line. And so my response to all this is it's a horrible story. I wish it didn't happen. It sucks. But how is putting this guy in prison going to solve anything? Uh, It's a sensitive it's a sensitive story. And I don't have a lot of data on this. I really what it comes down to was this guy pointing the gun at him or not. And we only have witness testimony because if he has the gun and it's like at an angle right past pointing right past the guy and he's moving towards the guy, the, it could give the illusion that he's cut up that he's pointing towards him. But and and I don't know where where how far away were the witnesses. All the testimony I've that he approached the car. How do you how do you get him on murder? Because murder? Of the, because of the idea that he premeditated it or had intent with that post on social media. And, and so I- and so. The let me read this. Protesters didn't know anything about Perry when they attacked the car and boxed it in, said Doug O'Connell, who was defending Perry. O'Connell argued that Foster was dressed for battle at the protest, including wearing a neoprene vest, carrying an AK-47, a club and a knife. Perry was wearing a T-shirt, shorts and flip flops. Garrett Foster is dressed for war. Daniel Perry is dressed for the beach. Murder means intent. If they want to say reckless uh, endangerment or negligent homicide, I'd be sitting there and we'd, we'd be arguing the legal merits. No, they, they convicted him for intentionally going to this guy and killing him. I think, buy it. And I think because as you're bringing up with the social media posts and they were trying to say, see, aha, he wanted this chance to do what he did. I think what it actually shows is his mindset is like, oh, my gosh, look how scary these, you know, these rioters are, these looters are, you know, the different social media posts that he had. So when he turns the corner, and I think during the trial, it came out that there was evidence that his car was slowing because all the witnesses, as to your point earlier about the witnesses saying, well, he didn't point the gun. Well, the witnesses also said that he sped up into them. And I think they said, oh, we just heard tires screeching and this and that. But then I think the evidence of the trial showed that his car was decelerating, Mm -hmm. correct? Decelerated to let a quadriplegic woman use the crosswalk. So he turns into, yep, Mm -hmm. so he he turns into and he's like, oh, my gosh. And his mindset is I've been following this for months now. How scary. I don't want to be the next guy to die. Oh, my gosh. A gun's in my face now. I think that more accurately describes why he has those past social media posts rather rather than what the you know prosecutors are trying to say is that, oh, he's a bad man looking for mm-hmm. a fight. And other witnesses has, have testified that they had called the cops saying this group is carrying guns. We've mm-hmm. asked them to leave. We can't do anything. I mean, all the outlets are describing it as like they're marching. Everything's fine. But like. Put yourself back into this summer of 2020. It was an extremely turbulent and violent times in major cities across America. And people who were sort of caught in the crosshairs, residents who lived in the area, just had to wait and hope that nothing that fatal would happen. And unfortunately, in this case, shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. It did. And I wonder if his defense was smart enough to bring up this story from Deseret Police arrest two after man shot during Provo protest. That's right. BLM ran up to a truck for no reason. Literally none. This guy wasn't 
This wasn't a, a truck driver chasing anybody down. It was a guy driving down the street. BLM uh, extremists ran up and shot the guy in his car, June 30th, 2020. And they say two people were arrested Tuesday night in connection with the shooting of a motorist. About one month later, this army sergeant was driving down the street in Austin when he was approached by a guy with a gun and shot back. And that context, I think, is extremely important for the jury to understand. The, this faction of individuals, their ideology, they have been committing acts of terror, they have been killing people, and only a couple weeks ago, w- walked up to a motorist and shot him. And here I am in my car, is what I'd say, and they were walking up to me and I said, here we go again. That's the gun. He points it at me. But you know what? It doesn't matter because they're in Austin. And I, I think any, I, I, I find it laughable that people are like, you got to move to Austin, man. And I was like, no, no, you don't. You do not want to live in these places. You will go to prison when they try to kill you and you try to defend yourself. Yeah. And it seems so obvious that it was self-defense in this particular instance. But uh, what I would like to know is there's been other pretty egregious police killings of litany of minorities as well as white people since the Biden administration came to power. You have not heard from Black Lives Matter in terms of protests and riots and things like that. And and what that tells me is that it was it was catalyzed somehow. And we still don't have answers as to how that came to pass. And I would like to know. You mean the riots of 2020 was yeah. catalyzed? Yeah, the whole summer, man. It was crazy. It was like three, it was basically 100 days of just misery and insanity. And and I just don't buy the organic nature of that. And for the life of me, I wish OAN or some, you know, some organization that's actually interested in getting to the truth would, would dig into that because it seems like there's a story there and I don't know what it is. I, what were you going to say? Oh, uh, go ahead. Oh, you're going to be much more interesting than me, man. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, on one point, yes, it kind of reads like, you know, color revolutions and stuff where yes. these big moneyed interests that they go out there and they're able to kind of fund and they can kind of put money into it. They can kind of get people amped up and out there on the streets. I think Foster was on the streets, I think, every day for, pretty for, much for, for a weeks month on or end, two. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So he kind of was like a full time protester slash rider at that point. One thing that I do think is interesting to perhaps bring up here is that I know he was, I know I think reporting says he was a boogaloo boy, right? The the foster guy. So I know they have big gun control culture, right? However, he was rolling with BLM. And of course, we saw a lot of that kind of, you know, mix in the summer of 2020 with the riots. But it's interesting to me because with BLM and other left-wing groups, one of their hallmarks is pushing for gun control. And yet it's interesting that it's only specific groups. It's only like law-abiding regular Americans that they want gun control for. You see the Chaz, for example, Antifa and other related group, John's Brown's clubs, the rest. It's interesting that when they set up their little chaz, what did they first do? They erected a border. They patrolled that border with armed guards and they deported anyone they didn't like from the area. (laughs) And you see that over and over and over with these groups. So when they say gun control, they don't really mean gun control. They just want to be the ones with the guns and the people they don't like not having the guns. In this case, Foster and friends having guns and the um, Perry and his friends not having guns. Boom. And then we saw in Wisconsin... When BLM protesters cheered and clapped as a man was arrested in his own home, I thought they were supposed to be against the cops. No, no, no. When the police come and arrest you, they are clapping for it. Mm -hmm. That's where we're going. That's where we are. Yeah. Disturbing. So what are the odds you think that uh, Abbott steps up and does something about this? I think it's actually pretty high. You know, because I'm, look, this is violent extremists. They've killed other people before. There's 20 plus deaths. There's there's 19 plus deaths directly tied to the protest and an estimated 32 in the periphery of, of the riots. I, sh- I shouldn't say protest, riots. This guy in his shorts and T-shirt convicted of murder. Something's wrong here. Uh, Abbott needs to just pardon. 
Yeah. Well, let me let me say one quick thing in defense of the Boogaloo Boys, which will be very unpopular. But uh, many of them are libertarians, and many of them are hard two A guys, and many of them were out there just to defend the protesters from the police. However, if you're going to approach someone and you're protesting in the middle of the street and you have a vehicle that is now stopped and surrounded and you approach them with an AK-47 or whatever sort of assault rifle, well, I don't even want to say assault rifle, the the scary looking guns, um, not a good idea. It's not just that. The Boogaloo boys have... uh, uh been praised for for they're not they're not directly antifa or blm no they're not but if you are marching with antifa and blm there's no distinction yeah. sorry these people have firebombed buildings they have killed people My, uh michael reinol in portland with a blm communist tattoo on his neck shot aaron danielson twice in the chest and then you're like you know what i'm gonna march with these people yeah. it's like well with a with a rifle and you pointed at someone and people are pointing on the chat there's a video of him holding the weapon at high ready He's got the gun That's what I'm talking ready to about. go. If a guy approaches you at high ready with a rifle at high ready, man, in the middle of a, a, a riot and you're stuck and you can't move, you've got to assume the worst. What choice? I'm not trying to incite stuff, but like, what what, what are you supposed to do in that situation? You have to protect Die. yourself. Yeah. yeah, you can either just put your hands down and, and stick your chest out right at the tip of his gun, maybe. But like, what's the other choice <laughs> well, here? No, consider hit the gas. They, consider the options. Exactly. You have to hit the gra- gas, drive through, in which case you're going to get an attempted homicide charge. Yep. Or you fire, in which case you're charged with murder and apparently convicted. Or you just... Cross your fingers and hope that the dude's not going to fire back. But this, um, this, this is beyond just ha- happening to somebody in a vehicle with BLM. We saw the 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 the, the um, parking garage attendant in New York, right. who a guy literally shot him twice, fighting for his life. This man wrestles the gun away and then shoots the the would be murderer, and then he wakes up being criminally charged with attempted murder in a hospital after nearly dying, and he's crying. He was crying in bed saying, I don't understand. This is a nightmare. What's happening? Why are they doing this to me? Because they're evil people. They are evil. There's no question. I'm sorry, Ian. It is a fact. If a man is on his deathbed after being shot twice and he's crying saying, why, why, why God? It's because Bragg is an evil person. And the only reason he backed off that prosecution is because people who are good stood up and said, don't you try it. And then he backed up and said, no, okay, okay, we're going to stop. Do you think utilitarianism is evil in general? Well, it's it's to to a certain degree, but let me make this point. What's happening to this guy, Daniel Perry, I was surprised to find out the trial was going on. How did we not know about this? How is this story, which is similar to Kyle Rittenhouse, different in many ways, completely just... Under our, there's like, no under video, radar. no video. There is video. It, of it. What, what, is it good video? Is it enough to know what's going on? No, I mean, from what I've read, everyone is saying it's not super clear. Even the police body cam footage responding to the incident is like a little ambiguous. I mean, the defense called uh, their own ballistics expert to try, try and analyze the video. And I think that's one of the reasons that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was able to not get lost in sort of the immediate uh, media backlash that would have inevitably followed him because so many people could point to this video and say, look at it. Like you can't spin this. It's mm. pretty obvious what happened here. Yeah. And look at this story from Deseret. How are we supposed to live in a country where you hear the news about BLM for no reason shooting a motorist who I believe, I believe was a woman. You can see it. And people are mentioning in the chat. And then what do you do? You know what? Look, man, you want to live in Austin? Fine. At a certain point, I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm going to be like, oh, did another person get convicted of murder for, for trying to save their, their own life? No sympathy. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dudes. Look, I'm, I'm not going to say it's not, I'm not going to say it's easy 
for a lot of people to get out of cities, very, very hard, very, very difficult. But I'm just at the point where I'm like, I mean, how many, it's three years on, three years since the summer of love. And I've been saying even two years before that, you need to get out of these cities. They will do this to you. They will arrest you for what BLM does. Yeah. If there's a Democrat and, DA, you're in trouble. And there are people who are still like, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll keep my head down. It's like, okay, well, when that happens and they do come and arrest you, don't expect me to, 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 to offer any, any assistance. Yeah. Do you think one of the biggest things is because those who are on, I guess, right, libertarian, various assorted groups, is that we kind of don't like you know, state power so much. So it's more like elections come by. We're not as into it as, say, someone who is one of the left ideological, you know, groups. So when local elections come around, we're not as mobilized and we're not as interested. Like you said, with this uh, this this trial, a lot of people weren't as you know paying attention to it as much. So I think that happens a lot because even if you get out of cities, you could be in a smaller town where, you know, everyone seems to be kind of maybe more conservative and you think, wow, I feel really safe here. Everyone supports law enforcement. And then before you know it, you didn't pay attention to your local elections. And now you're like, how come this DA is letting everyone out? How come my, you know, and on but, and on. But the, the, the issue is it's not bad enough. And so there is one simple reality. If you are holding on to a skillet and it burns your hand, you mm -hmm. will let go. The issue is the damage and destruction that is occurring in cities is not, is not escalating to a point just yet where people are going to drop the pan, mm -hmm. i.e. get out. Now, now yeah. let, me, let me give you an analogy, right? You grab a, you, get, you put in your oven mitts and you grab a, a, a tray of fudge brownies from the oven and you're holding on to it and you're trying to figure out where to put the brownies down and you can feel the heat is making its way through those mitts. What happens if you don't put it down right now? Eventually the mitts can't stop the heat. It burns your hand. You drop the pan. Maybe it's Pyrex, it shatters in the ground and now there's a disaster zone. Right. When instead you could have been like, Okay, I got to just set this down anywhere I can set it down. It's getting too hot. What's happening right now is we're at that point. People are still in these cities and we can feel the heat, but they're going, look, the heat that I'm feeling, the pressure that I'm feeling in the city does not reach a level where I'm willing to experience hardship to get out. Yeah. And I mean it, hardship. I'm not saying it's easy. It might be the most difficult thing you've ever done. But trust me, the people who have said to me like, you look, man, I got a house. I can't sell it. I don't know how to move. Trust me, when bullets fly through your daughter's window, you will pack up and leave and go sleep under a bridge or something like that. You will be like, okay, that is too hot. And so my point is simply this. I'm not passing judgment. I'm simply saying I understand why people are not going to leave their homes until the bullets come through their windows. But you know what? It's already happened to a lot of people. Yep. <laughs> and so like that guy in Wisconsin, sooner or later, the cop will come to your house. They will search your home. They will charge you with whatever they want because you pissed off some BLM activist group because they know who you are. You watch this show and then you're going to be like, it's too late now. Yeah. Now the, the, the DA is going to be like, Mr. Smith, don't leave the state. And you're going to be like, now what do I do? I got to say real quick, I, I'm reading Scott Horton's pre-release of his new book. It's like 500 pages on the history between uh, Russia and Ukraine. It's incredible. But the reason this correlates and there is a correlation he breaks down all of the color revolutions that happened through the Eastern Bloc nations that were CIA backed. And I can't tell you how reminiscent it was of living through 2020. 
And it, it just, it strikes me as a color revolution. I'm not yeah. saying it was one, but it felt a hell of a lot like one. When you read about them, it's crazy. It's uncanny, honestly. What, what defines color revolution? Usually they're labeled by a color. So it'll be like the orange or the rose or the red and things like that. So, um, but there's a, a litany of them that happen in Eastern Bloc nations, like the breakoff nations from Russia after the fall of the USSR. And usually it deals with electoral processes that are manipulated in some fashion. I'm not saying that's what happened in America, but that is what the, uh, the CIA was. I want to, I want to read this comment from uh, vision storm. He says, Tim quote, I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying I have no sympathies. If you have no means to leave your state. No, you completely misunderstand perhaps intentionally. What I said is for those who poo poo the idea and say, ah, it's not that bad. That is to whom I'm saying I have no sympathy if you've made this choice. I'm also saying I understand for some people it is too difficult to do. It's very difficult. And then I'm also pointing out that at a certain point, it doesn't matter how difficult it is or the consequences, you will drop the tray, the glass will shatter, and it will create a problem for you. This is what I'm saying. If you are holding something too hot, shattering glass on the ground is is the last thing you want to happen. If you are living in a house and you are like, I have nowhere to put this thing down, the moment... BLM shows up to your house and sets a fire. You will flee your home with your kids, having no idea where you're going. It's not a question of your means to do so. It is a fact. If your life, your loved one's lives are threatened, you will go and sleep in a tent in the woods before you let a violent mob kill you. I, like, that's it. Like, I don't think there's any human being who's going to be like, oh, Antifa's here. What are they yelling? They, they want to kill me. I better just sit here. <laughs> Especially when you have kids, you're going to be like, we're abandoning this yeah, right it's now. it's got to go. So my view is it may be the most difficult thing you have ever done. If it were me, I don't want to give anybody financial advice. If it were me, I would sell my house for whatever I could get for it and move to move out to the middle of nowhere. That being said, I am fully aware of when we moved out of Jersey, it wasn't the most difficult thing for us. You know, I I, I had a successful YouTube channel. I had money that I'd saved up. And so after saving for about a year or two, and I'm like, I think we better get out of here before it's too late. So then we bought property out here in West Virginia, got a little tiny house somewhere, and then said, that's it. And then we moved out here, set up the company in this, in, in, in what is now the Cast Castle, which is the company's, you know, I don't live here. And that's the point. I understand. For me, it was, it was much easier. And I, and I moved much sooner than most people. But I do think sooner or later, if you do nothing, there will come a time when BLM will come up to your house, they'll be armed for some reason or another. Maybe you'll be at work. And, and they're going to be, or maybe they just go, knock, you got an American flag in the front of your house. They've already done this. BLM has already threatened people because they had American flags on their houses. Sooner or later in these cities, it will, it will happen. You want to buy, my, my, my point to people is if you could buy a lottery ticket and if you won the lottery on it, then they would lock you, lock, put you in prison for life. Like that was the prize. The chances of it happening are very, very low. But would you buy the ticket? Anybody? No. So the, the chances of BLM actually showing up to your house in the immediate future right now and destroying it is a lottery ticket's chance, okay? Over time, it's slowly becoming more and more likely. We are seeing more and more of this. Okay. Several years on now, they're putting people in prison after BLM attacked them. Look at the so, cash app founder, too, in, in San Francisco. Exactly. Do you think there was something no, 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 to no, that? Because that was 2 a.m. You think he was doing a drug deal or nope, something? No. Nope. He, right he, outside? He was, he was, he was, so. that, that guy must have been worth a billion dollars. Was he walking home drunk? What was it? 2 a.m. Why was he outside at 2 a.m. in San Francisco? On a weekend? Yeah. Everybody's out at 2 a.m. on a weekend. Drinking? Maybe drinking. He, he, he was in, San Francisco was a major urban area. Where he used to live. I mean, he could be coming home. He from was going to his house. house. He, was go, he was going to his apartment, wasn't he? Yeah, I yeah. think so. He was like, he was at his apartment. Yeah. And, I don't, I don't and, wanna, and it wasn't a bad area. Yeah, either. and his family, what, don't, don't take that. 
and, for and real. I don't know what it's, happened. It's, but it was just it's, it's simple, bro. 2 a.m. In New York, yes, 2 a.m. Bars close at 4. Don't walk around in cities at 2 a.m., guys, unless you absolutely have to. Stick to the bright lit streets. Walk fast. Like, you're the one that's dangerous. But, and and think, get to your destination. And, and think about and what you're saying. 360 as much as you can. Think about what you're saying. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. That's how you got to live in a city, man. It's dog eat dog. Or you get out because... Or, or get out if you can. It's insane. It's beautiful out in the open. Yeah. It's, it is insane that, that we've gotten to the point where it's like, if you go out at 2 a.m. in a city, you might die. Yeah, that's not... And then it, here's the best part. The person who did it is, is going to get let go. Yeah, you can't trust that there'll be any justification. I think the big thing you have to be conscious of that the water is boiling, right? Like, true, you may not lose everything today but do you want to be in the place most likely to be the next epicenter of one of these riots probably not and it is difficult to leave but make it a priority like yeah. this is something that you maybe need to make a goal let's right. let's let's talk about the story from timcast.com female swimmer riley Gaines assaulted by trans activists while speaking on women's rights this is proof that women need sex protected spaces the video is crazy the video is absolutely nuts let me let me uh, let me play this video for you is there any uh i'll just i'll just Full size it. Is there audio or what? There was when I saw it. Oh, you know what the issue is? There's a... Uh, oh, wait. There it is. The issue is that I have it muted. <laughs> nope. Still no audio. Wait. It's still muted. There we go. And now it's on the wrong channel. We're bad at this audio thing, you guys. It's, a, it's, it's an, I don't think, uh, having been on the ground and actually seen this stuff, I don't think people realize what it's like when, when a mob forms and comes after you. It is but, freaking but, crazy. But let me explain something. Here's how it's going to go down. For you in your city, you are going to be at a grocery store or something or a restaurant. And someone's going to overhear you talking to your friend saying something like, yo, these BLM people are nuts. They're going crazy. And there's going to be some waitress or woke, woke person who hears you. They're going to find out who you are. They're going to see your name and they're going to find out where you work. Things like that happened 10 years ago. It, 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 things like that have happened five years ago. One day they're going to start posting online. They're going to attack you and your company is going to be like, I don't know what it is you did or who you talked to, but we cannot have this heat. So we're going to have to let you go. I don't know who you pissed off or why you're going to be like, I didn't do anything. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, well, look, man, we don't want to be involved in whatever it is you believe and your ideologies don't fit this company. They're going to go to your house. They're going to protest your house because this is what happened in Wisconsin. Does anybody know why they went to that guy's house and protested? He was some random local guy. Made no sense. Here's what happens. The mob. There is no individual who decides we are going to storm into this person's house and kill them. What happens is the mob is just moving amorphously. One person steps out in front. Everyone steps out in one direction. They go to the house and one person goes up and starts knocking on the door. 
As soon as that person goes on the porch, it's an invitation to the rest of the mob to go on the porch. The person knocking, then someone sneaks by and tries to jiggle the handle. Someone sees the handle jiggle, and then they pop the handle and push the door open. Another person sees the door go, go open, and then they push their, they, they stick their head in and look around. Another person sees that person start sticking their head in and say, I guess I'll go in too. All of a sudden now, these people are walking into your house, all being egged on by each other. The snowflake doesn't blame itself for the avalanche. This is how I've seen all riots form. There will be a large group of people. One guy, one Antifa guy, will take a water bottle and just throw it straight up in the air. The moment that bottle comes down, then a bunch of people see the splatter and then they start throwing things too. They're like, oh, people are throwing things. They throw things. So one step at a time, one person moves an inch, another person moves an inch further. And then before you know it, they've kicked your door in, they're rampaging through your house, they're smashing stuff. And then once they go into your room, one guy wearing a mask punches you in your bed and then someone else sees it. And then all of a sudden they're jumping up and down in your room, st- stomping on things and smashing okay, things. Okay, there's kids There's listening. videos of this. I know, but there's like 14 year olds listening. that are going to be having nightmares, man. We got to be careful. I know it's, it, it is true that you got to be safe. You got to take care of yourself, but you can. Yeah. Get out of cities. Because what I just described, there's actually a video of right now where people are sitting at a restaurant and a mob of people are standing on top of the, of the restaurant tables, kicking the patrons in the face and stomping on them. I'm not just describing something out of the blue. Right. I'm explaining videos that have happened. And the guy in his house, when the mob showed up, that mob had set fire to a different house in Wisconsin twice. And so this guy brandishes a shotgun through the window and then puts it down. The police come and arrest him. Well, and I think he's just describing the the nature of kind of a mob dynamic, not necessarily trying to scare uh, 14-year-olds. But I think that this also goes on the inverse for the people that are out there in the streets that are protesting because the, the gentleman in the Boogaloo Boys, I forget his name right now, but the guy that had the AK or whatever it was, um, you know, if you're going to put yourself in that situation, you're also putting yourself in tremendous danger because if you ha- if you're a member of the mob and people are, are all moving towards you in a wave, well, then if someone's armed and they fear for their lives, you don't know what might happen. And maybe that guy had no ill intentions. Maybe, you know, as he's approaching the car, maybe he's genuinely trying to subdue or calm the situation, but you just don't know. So I, I agree with Tim. I mean, if, if I think a really good litmus test is look at the outflow population of your state from 2020 to 2021. If you had harsh lockdowns, you probably already had a net outflow. And those people are going to be the people that vote in alignment with your belief systems. So it means that your state is now so hard blue, you're probably never going to have political power in that state again. And this is why I fled California. Well, and then one thing that scares me with the Riley Gaines video and how she was going to schools and trying to speak, and then they're like, the mob was after her, is the fact that how many times did we grow up hearing, you know, the idea that, well, you know, those are because college kids have been doing this for many decades, of course. However, it seems like it's the intensity and the frequency is only getting worse. However, the idea was that these kids will graduate, they'll get out into the real world, and then the real world will somehow make them normal functioning adults. But we haven't seen that because now (laughs) we've seen these kids will graduate and they will bring that with them to their workplaces. Mm-hmm. I think the New York Times ran a piece the other year. I think it was last year, right, that millennials are now afraid or older millennials are afraid of Gen Zers who are coming along because you might be 38, 39, thinking that you're, you know, you're quite liberal and stuff yourself. You're more liberal than your parents. But now <laughs> and you don't even know what's exactly. coming. Exactly. The 23 year old woke kid comes in and he thinks that you are a microaggressor, that you are X, Y, Z. And this is what Vivek Ramaswamy said when I interviewed him today for the Culture War podcast. That a lot of people thought the, I forgot exactly how he explained it, but the AI monster was going to be a, a, a cyborg with laser eyes, but it's Dylan Mulvaney. 
It is these young people who have been manipulated by the AI, and it's not intentional, but it's turned them into something out of sync with, with, with human civilization, with, with American civilization. These people live in a world crafted by social media algorithms. They are driven to do things that they think will be perceived as popular. They are weak-willed individuals. And this is leading to people believing insane things, adopting insane behaviors, and engaging in extremely violent uh, tactics. And sometimes they end up writing code well, which, to make the AI. Let, let me add, That's right. it makes add it worse. one thing that, that is supplemental to the AI ideological takeover. In 2000, August of 2011, Barack Obama included in an executive order that you would have every single federal governmental department would implement a DEI department within their institution. So that was the beginning of the end in terms of having any, and keeping in mind, the federal government is the number one, the largest employer in this country. So they were really like the first shot across the bow in terms of including diversity, equity, inclusion, hiring and firing practices, which is really the woke takeover of the business world. Naturally, because so much of the government's contracts are with actual private industry, but they also will now in, in include uh, demands that they also have a DEI department. So in a matter of about 12 years, you went from this concept being almost unheard of to being everywhere. Is it that the government is not, I assume they can't make private companies start up a department, but are they just saying we're not going to give not, you funding if not, you don't? Not so actually, because you can include as a requirement in your government contracts that you will only do businesses business with just like the the uh, I think it was the OSHA vaccine mandate. They were saying if you are doing business with a government uh, contractor, well, they're going to have to have the mandate as well because so, that's where the money's coming from. It's taxpayer money, so they can still put the same sort of requirements. It's not force, but it's saying yeah. we won't do business with you if you don't have this. They can't literally storm your offices and demand this one be the DI room, but they can't say we won't we won't give you money and therefore you can't operate you can't pay your employees right. you'll close down if we are the main source of income we are your biggest client then you're stuck very coercive that's, yeah. that's a really great point that you bring up because on my show i had a, a, a firearms expert kind of guest and so he would be able to explain this better than i can i'll try and like re uh reemphasize or kind of boil down what he was saying he's from ammo land john crump so you know, shout out to John Crump. But he was saying with one of Biden's recent executive orders mid-March, how the idea was because the, 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 the DOD, I think it is, because they work so much with firearms manufacturers, that to put the squeeze on regular, you know, law-abiding citizens who want to buy guns, they'll tell, you know, the gun manufacturer, well, if you want our contract and look how much money we can give you, well, then you can't sell XYZ Bingo. firearms or accessories to civilians. Yep. And that's how they get you. So I think it's kind of similar to what you were saying. It's social emotional yeah. learning is taking over academia and the education system, diversity, equity, inclusion is taking over corporate America, as well as obviously governmental departments. And then you have ESG, which is taking over the highest levels of finance. Those are the three evil acronyms that are taking over everything you spoke to Vivek today. I'm sure he would agree. Do you think that there's um, that the market will correct itself? It's very tough because what you're competing with is a, is a printing press backed mechanism. Wow. You have, you have access to not just the law setting, but the setting of interest rates plus the setting of of uh, you know monetary supply. I mean, it's that's a huge. Let me. It sounds like a let centrally me, planned economy. Let me. It explain sounds like it for CCP. You. Yeah. No, 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 no. Let me explain it for you guys. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. This is the new religion that will seek to subvert Christianity. 
It is the religion of the water bearer. I remember reading about this and watching documentaries back in the day about how first it was the age of the ram. If you guys have seen Zeitgeist, you'll know what I'm talking about. And that's why the, the, the Jews would blow the ram horn, the ram's horn. And then Christianity was the age of Pisces, which is why they use the symbol of the fish. I'm not saying any of that's true, but that's what was said. And then the question was, what would be the, re- the new religion to supplant and subvert Christianity? The religion of the age of Aquarius. Well, as we enter the age of Aquarius, we have a new religion. In this tweet, David Rosado explains, the great awakening is a global phenomenon. No evidence it started in the U.S. media. Analysis of 98 million news articles across 36 countries quantifies exception. State-controlled media from China, Russia, Iran, using wokeness terminology to criticize and mock the West. And here we see, in this image, you can see the rise of terminologies related to transphobia, homophobia, transphobic, Islamophobia. Every one of these countries, even the Congo, experienced a major spike in social justice rhetoric. The one thing that correlates social media. Simply put, when the AI is created and shared it functions to serve human emotion and anger gets the most shares. So treating people like victims to get them angry got content to be shared. The human experience, similar. All of these countries started to realize this is what makes us money. The human being who wrote the article about Trump being Hitler did not think they were doing anything wrong. But what happens is 100 writers each write 100 stories, put them on the internet, and then the algorithm says, yeah, the one where Trump is Hitler. That guy gets a million hits, makes a bunch of money, and then everyone says, that's what we should write. Hmm. Here we are. Welcome to the new religion. And it's true because it gets picked up. It's kind of like there's always a language of power throughout all of time. There's the language that everyone kind of speaks back in the day. It was actual is like the lingua franca. Other, you know, the heads of state of England wanting to speak to the heads of state of Spain. If they couldn't speak intellect, uh, intellectually between English or Spanish, they would use French as the intermediary. Latin was that at one point. Nowadays, it's speaking the language of power, speaking the however you want to phrase it, wokeism, social justiceism, whatever you want to call it. And that is, for example what was it, like Guatemala or something, a nation where to get like $20,000 in a state grant from the U.S. State Department, they had to accept, I think some of the money had to be used for like drag queen shows. And in a country that's more conservative like Guatemala, it's like, well, why would they need that? It's because if they can speak the language, then the state is going to, in this state, meaning the U.S. in this case, will reward them greatly. In a similar way that there used to be actual fashion crimes. Remember, we kind of joke about that, that, but that was like a thing. You know, the the nouveau riche of the 1800s versus the um, like the old money families. And how could they tell each other part? Oh, you don't know how to dress. You didn't wear the new fashion for the spring. It sounds kind of silly, right? But you, you see that in today, like the Zuckerberg types, they'll kind of dress down. They don't want to be as flashy with their clothes and stuff because, again, it's signaling I'm on a different level. I may be rich, you may be rich, but I'm a different level than you. So the money of philanthropy, where you can kind of remake the world in your own image, and you can you kind of use your charity as like an investment, basically. It's not like they're giving away their money, now they're poor. It, it kind of comes back to help them. But again, it's speaking the language of power. And as you were saying, Tim, earlier, like this is kind of like, this has proven to be successful. So this is the language of power. Other countries around the world, if they want that U.S. money, they want that U.S. backing, they don't want a color revolution in their country, that, they're going to speak that language. Even if their populace is like, we don't want right. this, but they're going to speak that language and they're going to push it saying, you better speak it or that, Uncle that Sam's is coming. such a profound point. And if you have ever watched any of the pressers that come out of the World Economic Forum and you see all of the richest people <laughs> on the planet and they get up there and they talk about how they're all concerned about the poor. And I'm like... <laughs> You're not, though. 
you're not. But they use that language. It's such that is such a great analysis. I had never even considered it that 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 is really the the language mechanism that traverses language barriers Cause now because if you're talking about equity and inclusion yes. well then you're just one of us other big groups that have a lot of money a lot back and go oh that guy need to get in contact with him he's in the same wavelength yep, yep. and the world bank and the imf backs the wef in this entire mm-hmm. it's insane new it's religion insane. yeah mm-hmm. it's the new religion man. yeah well, the age of aquarius when does it begin well it depends on who you ask i think march 20th 2021 i thought it was 2250 2160 some people yeah, say it begins but it depends on you. Some some no. people have speculated that it's they were in it right now, or that we're in begun. the we're in the we're in the cusp between. I think so you're right. We're watching the emergence as, of as basically the Catholic Church has done a lot of good in history, but it's also done some bad. And I think the pedophilia that came out of that in like the 90s and stuff annihilated people's love for Christianity. Well, there, there's a new report. Uh, I think it was out of Maryland mm-hmm. about a, a scandal going back to the 60s. So all that stuff is bad, and it and it crushed right? the old religion. It, it soured well, it, and now people do need something to believe in. It's it's would, but but this is not what's causing what we're seeing here it's created the void here's the, void here's the scary thing this is you said the dawn of age uh, the age of aquarius is 2160 it, this when i pulled it up it says 2021 so already that we're in it i, that, I had heard in 2012 that it was coming up in like 2150 or something it, it may be and, and what, what is it like every 2500 years is a new yeah, it's age every 20 2160 years on 2160 so think about this at the beginning of the age, it wouldn't immediately be that everyone is indoctrinated into a new religion. Mm-hmm. It would be that several hundred years into that era, the new religion dominates. Dominates. So this could be, as we watch Christianity start to diminish, and this new psychotic cult take power, wow. 100, 200 years, this could be the dominating. That, that is so dark. <laughs> that is so think, dark if that's what happens. And I think perhaps why. So because I'm a devout Catholic, I'll just have to stand up for my church and say that actually pedophilia, obviously it happens anywhere and everywhere, unfortunately. And so actually it was a lot less that happened in the church than happens in say the teaching profession or others. The church is actually has, again, so it happened on a smaller scale than people say it just, you know. Well, the mistake culturally, people go, oh, the church, but on a on a greater thing. Um, So talking about like the, you know, different ages or whatever, I think one thing is what's happened in this nation has happened uh, in a way that has happened in. Okay, maybe let's rephrase this. So. What's happening in our nation because of some of the market forces, because of liberalism and other things have eroded the networks that bind people and make people know who they are. What do you hear today from all the disaffected mobs, the people who will come up and want to, you know, scream and yell and, you know, threaten you and stuff. These are people who don't know who they are. And you hear that a lot. But you go back 200 years, people knew who they were. Mm -hmm. You know, who are you? Son of John. I'm a farmer. I'm this. I'm that. They knew who exactly who they were. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a this, this or that. Nowadays, people don't know who they are. Because people are atomized, people are lonely. And so people, the again, liberalism market forces has snipped family ties, community ties, religious ties, all the ties that bind. And so people are lonely. They're atomized in cities. They're a lot more easily emotional. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. 
um, they're easier to, to to lead to to riot to do other things because they're more emotional they don't have a family that they need to keep their name good for reputations for because everyone's kind of on their own so if you ruin your own name well it doesn't matter for your brother or someone else you're kind of all your own individuals that's something the ussr and other nations totalitarian states did purposefully we kind of got here accidentally that's what i was trying to say earlier when i forgot my words uh they did that intentionally where they had the state come in and they snipped those ties they destroyed ethnic groups that were very strong on religion very strong on family ties they would deport them move them you know do whatever uh and then uh, again go after church make it subservient to the state or just shut it down in general and then on and on because they're getting people out of the peasant areas because that's where tradition usually survives longest and they were pushing people into the cities you saw china do this even through like the 80s and 90s when they were on the come up before they pushed japan out to become the world's second largest economy again and again you saw that again those totalitarian regimes they were doing that purposefully because they don't want they want you listening to the state first and foremost and not to your family to your pastor whoever forgive me but we got here accidentally i don't i don't agree it was accidental okay oh well well yeah okay (laughs) give me your i I get that give me your theory as to how it happened well, I mean, it could be accidental in the sense that there was just a bunch of policies that were completely ill-conceived and moronic, maybe. Or it could be that, you know, you you had the war on drugs and you broke the black family and you create all sorts of discord that happens there. Um, then you have, obviously, the militarism that has persisted throughout my entire adult life and far longer than that. Uh, I think that ultimately those things alone will kind of unmoor a society, it starts to degrade the culture, the underlying culture, the the ties that bind. Then you have obviously the uh, the not the advent, but the popularity that came uh, in the atheist movement over the past twenty years. I think was really interesting. And keeping in mind, I'm not a religious person, but I think that it's it's quite evident in hindsight that there is a a major price to be paid when you have people that give up on religion and they make the state their god. And that and that is what I see being very pervasive amongst the young people. I think saying, bring up social media and how that's also atomizing things is is very true. I was got up this morning pretty early and I logged on to Steam to play some video games. And when I did, my dad logged on to play some video games. And I was like, my dad's here. And we didn't talk, didn't message nothing. I just saw his name and I felt his presence. But it wasn't like I was calling him on the phone. There was no, no communication. It's a superficial connection. I think that's one of the strange part of our modern world. Instead of, you're absolutely right, uh, going to church, seeing your family, living near them, being connected in a really authentic way where you can com- communicate with them, you know intimately kind of how they're living their lives, what they're thinking about, what their concerns are. You get updates on social media. Oh, this person got engaged. Oh, this person's moving houses. And it, again we're tuned to have this dissatisfaction culture where it's like, why am I not getting those things? Why am I not in those relationships? How can I solve things? Who's at fault for that? Why don't I have what I want in life? I think part of it is that we don't have a a unifying national culture and we struggle as a nation because of the geographic size and the complexity of our uh, makeup to to have that. And I think it became easier to pull people apart than to bring them together. I I think that the the unifying culture that we once had was one of you know, bootstrapping it, entrepreneurialism, I will find a way through. And now, unfortunately, because of public education, in my humble opinion, uh, you now have the youngest generation that believes that they are oppressed structurally, not just because of race and sexism and all this other stuff, but also because of capitalism. They all believe that capitalism is evil, not all, but a huge percentage do. Um, I think that once you have broken that cultural tie, one of like, I'm going to find a way to make it, that like that's what the land of the free, the opportunity, all this stuff. That's what we used to 
migrate here for. That's what my great-grandfather mm -hmm. came here for. And now you don't hear that talked about very much from this, the people that are born here. This is why I think Elon Musk buying Twitter was so important. Because I believe that what we're seeing is just a... a I, I, I would say it's probably more accidental. That when Twitter was created, it was the free speech wing of the free speech party. But when they implement these algorithms to maximize profits, they turned a generation of people around the world into psychotic, yeah. deranged individuals. So That's short, it. so short sighted, though, because, I mean, yep. culturally and, and not just culturally, but economically, civilizationally, like you're you're really playing with fire by by feeding into these. But, algorithmic but no one feels an obligation to that no one feels like if you're at the tech entrepreneur and you could make a billion dollars in a decade that's what your priority is that seems like forever you don't and think where's about jack dorsey not i have no idea He's grown gone. his beard yeah. we didn't yeah. do it at and what happened what happened to his friend see this is what really bothers me is that story in sf is sad because here's a guy who was leaving san francisco saying the crime is getting out of control we gotta go it's his buddies that did this. Mm -hmm. It was Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, Susan Wojcicki, I pronounce her name. These people were just like, we must maximize profits. So I got to be honest, the criticism of capitalism, I can get to a certain degree. These big corporations were basically saying, create a social media algorithm, write me code. And I wanted to do one thing. I want it to reduce things that cost us money and increase things that make us money. And because big brand advertisers are terrified of leftist activists, you were more likely to see if Coca-Cola was emailed by the far left, you're offensive, then they'd be like, okay, stop that campaign. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook says we're losing money. What's going on? Well, the activists are mad, but conservatives wouldn't boycott. Conservatives don't protest. So these companies have nothing to worry about. Even right now with the Anheuser-Busch boycott, you still have a lot of conservatives being like, oh, it's stupid. I don't care. Okay. I so Anheuser-Busch is looking at it. What happened? Nike doubled down in defense of Dylan Mulvaney because mm -hmm. they do not feel the economic repercussions from conservatives. I got to I got to make the defensive capitalism argument as an ANCAP. Um, ESG, I'm, I'm right on the shirt. Environmental social governance. This is this is exactly how the government is dictating diversity, equity, and inclusion practices in these businesses, in their marketing schemes. Like this is not an organic thing entirely. Tim is absolutely right. The algorithms, the social media world, the the youth movement, all that's true. But the, it wouldn't it wouldn't be this bad. You wouldn't have so many companies that were insulting their customer base if it wasn't a financial imperative on the back end because BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard are functioning under ESG protocols, which dictate that they will only invest okay, in these companies. No, that's true. I know, but you got it backwards. ESG emerged from this, not the other way around. Social media companies, like I said, Jack Dorsey said, we're the free speech wing of the free, spe free speech party. So where did ESG come from? ESG it, 2005 United Nations. Right. So when these algorithms get implemented... This is the point I made to, I can't remember who we were talking about when it came to uh, academic, I think I was telling, telling Phil Labonte this as well. ESG and other ideologies, how, how many, how many, let me ask you a basic question, how many ideologies exist? Ooh, right, lot. exactly, it's ridiculous, there's so many. Why is it that only these are prominent today? A vehicle was built by which they could be pushed onto the masses globally, mm -hmm. and it just so happened that what fit those holes was the likes of ESG. Correct. There's a bunch of other ideologies that could have been, hey, how about white nationalism? Oh, oh, oh nope. Jack Dorsey banned that stuff in mm. like 2015 and 16. They were like, we're getting a lot of flack from activists. 
we are getting attacked by the corporate press. Shut this part down. Yeah. And then you could not monetize that content. It could not exist and it would not be influential. So nobody went near it. What happens is people like Jack Dorsey at one point says, I'm all about free speech. Then he has a board and investors say, we're not making money here. And he goes, it was it was it was not an instant thing. The, what happened that slowly changed at Twitter was they would get a bunch of far left activists who would attack them and they would say, hey, look, we're getting attacked a lot for this stuff. People are quitting. The far left is much more likely to boycott, protest or quit than the right is. So the economic pressure is just right there. There have been a bunch of economic ideologies. Climate change, for instance, has not had as easy of a time as ESG. Right. It's funny, right? Climate change has been around for a long time with with Al Gore. And it's struggled to get a foothold. Why? Because social media doesn't care. Mm. There's no monetary incentive to ban someone who doesn't care about climate change. Yeah. But the ESG stuff overlaps with bigotry, homophobia, etc. So when someone says something naughty or racist, everybody says, okay, whoa, 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 hold on there, guys. Everybody basically agreed. We don't want to see that stuff. Right. It gets taken to an extreme degree. The far left fi- throws a firebomb and complains. And all the co- corporations say, I don't want to piss these lunatics off. Please don't associate me with those with that kind of content. Twitter then says, don't worry, we'll downrank. This, this is literally what happened. YouTube said, we will downrank all of that content so people don't see it and flag it for, for demonetization. Please don't leave. There was no inverse pressure from the right to support and push for things they did like and to oppose the far left. So what happens? Man, I remember back when they were doing these weird videos showing kids sex toys. And this is like 2013, 2014. It's like during Gamergate. That stuff was all happening. Conservatives did not have that as a as a core platform. Conservatives have have been behind the the uh, uh, behind on this the entire time. Simple example: Act Blue and Win Red. The Democrats have had an online digital fundraising platform, Act Blue, and it took the Republicans like three or four years to figure it out and make their own. Mm-hmm. That's how far behind they were. Well, there's two reasons in my estimation. One. The conservatives allow the progressives to raise their children. So how do you happen? How are you yep. going to how are you going to compete with activism when you don't have kids that actually share your values? I think you're you're automatically at a at a dead end in that regard. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no! Oh no! Sorry. Um, I was I was just thinking through a few things as you were talking about it. It is interesting that a lot of people say start out saying I'm free speech or I'm this or that, and then they find themselves on the opposite end of it. I wonder if there's something psychologically because I've noticed with some people, I think maybe this is just something all humans deal with. Your like your own internal biases is that you feel like at heart you're a good person, right? Everyone kind of feels that about themselves. Like my motivations are pure, I'm good, so I could never be that which I abhor, even when you become that monster. Mm-hmm. You know, so I wonder if there's kind of that where some of these people go, well. I do still believe in free speech, but you're banning conservatives, you're banning this or that. Well, well they're no, evil. Exactly. And it's yeah. like this weird switch that it's like kind of like almost a wall that comes down that almost people don't realize. It's like this weird idea that I can never be that monster that I went mm-hmm. out to slay. Well, I think there's a hierarchy of what they yeah. believe is justified, right? Like free speech can be sacrificed at the expense of this person's feelings or shielding someone from mm-hmm. this. Like there are times when you're allowed to compromise certain values. And for other people, you know, free speech is at the top, number one. You wouldn't sacrifice it for anything. Exactly. Matt, Matt, I saw this tweet about the Great Awakening. Matt, Matt Iglesias, one of the founders of Vox.com, said, unpleasant chart. It contradicts my, my theories and my presumptions. <laughs> Matthew Iglesias had previously said that the rise of wokeness was due to the fact that Gen Z was paying attention and that as they were reading the news and getting exposed to the stories, they were then putting it at the forefront of their minds. And then he explained something like, 
I, I think it was quoting Ocasio-Cortez, that Gen Z is depressed because they know reality. And that's actually not true. No, it's The not. reality is they're, they're in a fake, a fake reality. Yes. They and have this blinders. feeds into it. Yep. They're being, they're being fed a feedback loop of psychotic algorithmic content. I agree. It is making them insane but and violent. I got it. You have to, it can't be just the algorithm though, because this, this concept wouldn't have been viable to me as a child. Neither would have white supremacy or white nationalism. Correct. But it was banned. So that's not in your, you're, you're not wearing a shirt saying white supremacy is evil. No, but that's kind if, of a given. If, <laughs> right. But here's the thing. What if Twitter was promoting outright white supremacists and neo-nazis you would be wearing that shirt being like what is going on yeah. in this country with the right why That's why true, does this yeah. happen certain ideologies were outright eliminated from the conversation right and it was because advertisers found one to be socially acceptable and it's a combination of reasons as i mentioned before social media most people in this country were like dude i don't like racism like we had gotten past that yeah so any attack on something as racist would cause panic among someone who didn't want to be called a racist. This meant the far left could accuse you of being a white supremacist for no reason. It, it went to absurdity. Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy right. because they use something like that to convince us to adhere to it. So a, an advertiser that sells uh, vitamins, all of a sudden they're getting attacked saying you sponsored a white supremacist. And they go, we, we, I had no idea. In their mind, they're thinking the Klan, but the left is lying and they're saying conservative. But these brands don't know anything about politics. And they say, I had no idea we did this. You guys, you got to apologize. Vivek Ramaswamy mentioned that his, his moment when he came into the, into, into, this, into the culture war was he's running this pharmaceutical company. Black Lives Matter riots happen. And he gets asked to, to, to give a statement. And so he was like, uh, sure, I guess. And so he makes a statement like, you know, this is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's horrible to see these kinds of things happen. Let's come together as a country and try to find a way through this. And then he was like, the next thing I know, they're saying it wasn't strong enough. It didn't meet the moment. And then six advisors resigned from his company. He's like, what is happening? Because he didn't get to his knees and screamed the high heavens. Hmm. That's what the left has been doing, selectively manipulating. And then you get people who are scared of them to fall in line. Well, but I simply put, there are, there, there are a hundred different ideologies like Ron Paul. The Ron Paul libertarian ideology was massive. Yeah. And then what happened? Well, the reason it was massive, it's genuinely a good idea. Mm -hmm. The libertarians had a lot of great ideas. You may disagree with me, so I'll leave you alone. Hey, that really works for me. That's what I liked about Ron Paul. So in 2007, 2008, the internet was flush with this stuff. The Ron Paul love revolution. I like to mention Mike.com went woke, originally started as more libertarian, you know, Ron Paul-like. But the algorithms... Were, that were, the things that were getting the most clicks were playing into social justice narratives. So these these media companies just outright said, "Whatever makes us money, baby." I got I got to connect these dots because the it's so you're absolutely right, and the timing is so perfect because you have the 0809 Great Recession, you have the bailouts that come with that, you have the end the Fed chants that are happening with Ron Paul in 2008, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, Klaus Schwab identifies this ESG concept, this anthropogenic global warming concept, this wokeness concept, this inclusion concept, and it's just perfect timing. They flip all of the animosity that's going towards the banks, and they put it right back onto. But that well, was you're being oppressed by race. Yeah, I know. But still, the time. I mean, it's still a it's still a redirect from the anger that came from the Federal Reserve's policies in 0809. 
I think that's I, exactly what happened. I, I, I do too. I, I only somewhat agree in that they used wokeness to try and stop Occupy Wall Street yes. and subvert these protests. But I think when you see a company like Mike.com make the conscious decision to it. maximize on far left ideology yeah. instead of Ron Paul libertarian ideology, of course, it was all economic. I know I, I learned this from an employee. I was actually hanging out. It was World Trade Center. It was One Freedom Plaza. And I'm hanging out with someone who worked there explaining to me how they went through that process. And I'm like, damn. But but don't you think that given the 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 political environment of where big tech lives that they could and not to mention the Twitter leaks and what we now know about the the intervention from the federal government in terms of censorship protocols, in terms of service protocols, could it could it not have been dictated by the government to take this, it down this path? I don't know. So it's been 10 years. We get the start of this shift through social media algorithms around 2008 with with Facebook. What happened was. You, on average, pe- a person would have 300 friends and page likes combined. And that meant your news feed would move fairly quickly. Eventually, people couldn't see anything. Mm. And Facebook was like, well, if they're not seeing their core friends, they're not sticking around. We need an algorithm that shows them things they're more likely to interact with. So they made it. This resulted in people being inundated with videos of police brutality, videos of black men being beaten by cops. It created a massive wave of people who are anti-establishment, anti-police. In the beginning, though, you got a lot of libertarians. Mm-hmm. People were like, screw the police. These people are bad. Yeah, that's when I was there. But also, you had distrust in government, so you ended up with Ron Paul as sort of the avatar for this. That was the first iteration. But as the algorithms became more and more pronounced, as more people got onto social media, the things that would make the most money were stories about, first, police brutality. Tie in some racism to it, the article gets 10 times as many views. Interesting. It's actually like... Um, who was, who was, Vivek was telling me this, this morning. He said, when he asked me if I ever went whitewater rafting. And I was like, yes. And he goes, okay, how do you get a class five rapid? When two streams come together of equal force, you don't get a two times stream. You get a 10 times, an exponential boost. So when someone wrote an article about police brutality, people would be like, oh, but if they wrote about racist police brutality, it would be massively exponentially increased in terms of viewership. And I'll tell you why. The algorithm is programmed so that if there is an article that within the first 10 minutes it received 100 views, the algorithm would say, show this to a thousand more people. If it gets 100 views in the next five minutes among those thousand, show it to 10,000. Right. If in the next five minutes it gets a thousand, show it to 10,000 more. That's the exponential growth train of how these algorithms, algorithms were basically working. Right. Here's what happens. A video, an article about police brutality is shown to 100 people and 10 people do click it. It goes viral. An article about racism is shown to 100 people. It goes viral. But an article about racism and police brutality hits 20 people in the first minute. Two times. So what happens then is the algorithm exponentially increases the, the, the blast off of this. It then says, whoa, whoa, whoa. How many did we get in the first 10 minutes? A thousand? Right. Whoa, this must be a good article. Show it to 100,000 people right now. And if 10,000 people click on it, and then it would, and then this one article would, would get sent to 10 million people in one hour. So that was an exponential burst. This led to inter- the rise of intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Feminism. First, it was feminism. It was women's rights. And then the question became, how is it that we, we talk about police brutality, racism, and feminism, but now in 2012, 2013, we're talking about intersectional feminism because an article that contained sexism, feminism, and police brutality would get 100-fold as many views. Mm. So everyone's talking about wokeness. Everyone's talking about ESG. But what I keep always remind people is this didn't start there. 
you can actually watch the progression of the ideology and how it was formed. It wasn't like Klaus Schwab drafted this letter, submitted it to these co- companies, and then all of a sudden from 2008 to 2010, ESG existed. And we were talking about wokeness and critical race theory. No, 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 no. It started with police brutality. Everyone was in favor of Ron Paul. Then these companies started to shift and become woke. We introduced racism into the mix. Then we had Gamergate, video games, misogyny in games. You get feminism, Anita Sarkeesian, etc. Eventually, you get into the era of critical race theory. Right. Now, critical race theory has graduated to critical gender theory and in general wokeness. You can actually watch the track that social media has created this amorphous zombie horde. It's, it's very interesting, but the timing, it, it just continues to give me pause because 0405 is literally when the United Nations writes up their their first conceptual idea of ESG. And by 2010, 11, the World Economic Forum has already made it like their focal point. And then you're, you're absolutely right, though. It doesn't really take over corporate America or the global corporate environment until 2018. I, I think that's a confirmation bias, because what you're not talking about is any other corporate plan or ideology introduced by global elites except for that one. And it's because it's the one you know. Well, it's also the one that's the most evil, but yeah. There, there, were all, there was also talk about doing uh, block currencies. I remember Alex Jones talked about this 20 years ago. Mm. Uh, a North American currency. This is before the euro and then the euro happened. Yeah, the Amero. And there was big talk about an economic plan. But often what happens is they'll float an idea. And if it doesn't go anywhere, it just fizzles. In but fact, that's, we have that's a how to, everything happens. We have a chance to fizzle CBDC right now. Mm-hmm. Central bank. Yeah, that thing's crap. So anyway. That, They're going to backdoor that. The, the, the Amero conversation is interesting, <clears throat> right? We're not talking about the Amero anymore. No. It was the idea was that there would be Canada, the U.S. and Mexico sharing one currency. I remember Alex Jones talked about it a whole lot. Never happened. Never happened. Why? Just there's a lot of ideas they flooded that never took off. Yeah. A lot of conversations that happened that never went anywhere. The advent of central bank digital currencies and and Bitcoin and blockchain technology, I think, kind of forces them to regroup and come come up with a new scheme, which will probably be the CBDC. But Bitcoin didn't matter until, what, 2014? Yeah, but when were they talking about the Amero? 2000, 2002, 2003. Right. So and they, so why did my, my point is just this. Why didn't that why, why are we sitting here complaining about the attempt to implement a North American currency? But you are wearing a shirt about ESG. A bunch of ideas were presented. Some of them persisted. That's it. I don't think it's that they were like, in 20 years, this will be the plan. No, Although I'll, I'll, I'll it might have only because the Twitter files are pretty eye opening. And we see that the FBI has been in there telling them what to do. Maybe a decade ago, they were also like, we don't. That's, I don't know. That's my concern is, do we know that these like Tim saying that it just became more viral and more profitable? I'm saying, couldn't you if you had control of the algorithm setting, couldn't you make anything go viral, essentially? So the so, yes. so the so the issue on is, your network, right? You would have to believe that these people came, came up with a plan for ESG in 2005, and then the other people who came up with other ideas, just they were dummy ideas. They were they were proxy ideas meant to confuse and distract us. And then once the social media companies existed, they planted people within those companies not to implement their plans right away, but to only implement the first page of their 100-page plan through the idea of feminism. <laughs> then they'd have to write an algorithm that would guarantee the promotion no. of racism and police brutality, but not at the same time. <laughs> the, my point is this. I watched all this. We, we have the data showing the rise in this terminology over right. years and the hockey sticks and the spikes. I'm going the opposite direction, though. I'm saying, I'm saying, what if they already have this, this playbook and then they're looking at what is fertile ground here? 
we have a whole bunch of kids that have been raised in the public school system to be very anti-racist, very progressive in nature. We're going to formulate our protocols for power accumulation using what we will think will already work on this population. That makes sense to me. Sure, but what what, what makes more sense in my opinion is there's let's 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 say there's a guy named Schwaus Club. <laughs> and he believes in hardcore laissez-faire capitalism. He sounds awesome. And right now he's sitting in his in his uh, lair in Switzerland going, it is a shame that our plan didn't work. No! And the other elitist psychopaths, we're not discussing because they didn't make it. Yeah. What I think is more likely is of the 10 psychopaths that were, you, you know, you know, Plinko? Yeah. You drop the little thing in the, and there's little pegs and it goes, and you're hoping it goes in the middle where the one million dollars is. You put 10 psychotic global elite, you know, millionaires and billionaires, you drop them and their pegs bounce around and then one of them lands right in the middle. Mm. And that's Klaus Schwab. And then we're going, here's his plan. Here's how he did it. And I'm like, no, there were a bunch of other people trying to do a bunch of things. They just didn't fit the mold. You know what's wild about this this, uh, thing you pulled up, this diagram here, is that look at Cuba. Cuba's the communist place. It's the one that in 2000 was extremely high up on, on the all the other ones started low and became talking about racism and sexism but it was already happening Good in cuba catch and then it in. dipped but in look 2005 but after the war on. in iraq but look at iran iran had spikes and a stable medium rate of this of these conversations look at malaysia there was actually a spike early in the 2000s it dipped a little bit spiked again there are some countries south africa had a huge spike yeah, in south africa was started off very it started off high Similar to Cuba, not as high as Cuba. But Cuba was all the way at the top. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And but, South but Africa is going through apartheid. Here's what, here's, what I, here's what I do think your ob- observation tells us. We are all heading towards communism. I completely agree. It, it seems like a communist tactic for sure. And yes. I, I, other I, social I, media's adopted it probably unwittingly if, through their if, algorithmic manipulation. I would believe what's more likely is that... As these things started to emerge, communists noticed and then exploited it to an extreme degree. Yeah, they got to be subtle. But, but, but it's, it's the people keep it, this falls in line with what I talk about with wokeness when people are like, wokeness is these, these leftist theories that emerge. And it's like, no, 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 no. Go and talk to a woke person. And I think the reason I'm, I differ from many of these, these, you know, conservative independent thinkers about what wokeness is, is because I was at Occupy Wall Street, is because I spent a decade on the ground with these people. And I've found that they don't believe anything. <laughs> they like, yeah, Ukraine war. And I'm like, what does that have to do with the Frankfurt School? <laughs> Nothing. Right, it's, right. A, it's a cult. Yeah. That's it. That's why I think I think what you're talking about with like the kind of internal momentum of the algorithm and stuff. But also it has there has to be fertile ground there as well for why these, you know, racism and other buzzwords were catching on the same way that they were. And then kind of like creating almost a death spiral because then like more and more it was kind of coalescing as I think. 
in some ways, and also maybe why some of these other nations sometimes kind of use the talking points, uh, is because it speaks to a real pain that I think people feel. A lot of people are economically insecure. A lot of people do feel like the state is rigged against them. And again, those are quite real concerns. And then, as you said, but the state doesn't want a solution to say like a Ron Paul or an adjacent type view, because then that takes away from their power. So they're going to boost up these other, you know, again, whatever you want to call them, the different, you know, like woke is and whatever you want to call because it, it kind of funnels back to, well, the state is good and the state will protect you from X, Y, Z, these threats that we've, you know, identified and we will fix this problem together. And so I, I wonder if that may be why, because again, I think because what also gets boosted is the typical Republican, right? And, you know, I don't know where I am right now. I feel like I'm in a weird place ideologically. Um, I'm very conservative in my beliefs. I'm very Come to the Catholic, dark side. But I find myself, I love a lot of libertarians, Scott Horton, you know, the rest yeah. are good friends. I really love them. I like a lot of their critiques and stuff. And what, what it kind of opened my eyes to was, it was one thing when I was 16 years old in my high school Republican class, right? You know, um, you know, we had our little high school group and stuff and it's pick yourself up by the bootstraps come on kid get out there work my bat dad used to my grandpa used to, all that kind of thing well then i get out into the real world and i'm like wow this sucks everything <laughs> is rigged against you yeah, it's really tough you try and get a job when you're this happened to me when i was 18 19 20 could not get a job at even mcdonald's panda express nothing was taking me and i'm like I'm not you know, dumb, hopefully. I'm not, you know, a bad kid. I don't have any great issues. There's nothing. So why am I not being hired? And I'm not getting hired, but 16-year-olds could get hired at some of the jobs I was applying to. And sometimes they tell you, well, you know, um, we will actually something my friend told me because she was also having a similar issue is that at that time, California was raising minimum wage. And so they were saying, well, if they're going to pay you more, they're going to want someone who maybe has spouse kids or has more work experience than you and i'm like even in low level jobs and she's like well, yeah and so i kind of started to realize like wow i can't get my foot in the door anywhere everyone's everywhere is telling me well you're gonna be like a grocery bag or you need five years experience like i know hyperbole there but that was kind of the idea and i'm like well how can i get experience if no one's giving me that first job yeah. and so then i realized well then if that's how that is how am i going to get an apartment and then how come apartments where i live are like two plus grand it's not what my mom and dad pay for mortgage wait a second then how am i going to save up money for a house they're five six seven eight hundred thousand dollars and then i realized like oh normal republican our talking points are not meeting people where they're at whatsoever mm -hmm. people are dealing with real issues and they're not feeling heard a lot of young kids grew up hearing and i felt this too a lot of republicans Republicans hear this too, saying you got to go to college, you got to go to the best university, or your life is over. Teachers would pound that into you, your your coaches would tell that to you. So you finally do it. You go to university. Now you're in a lot of debt. You can't get a job for the reasons I mentioned earlier. You're making thirty grand a year. You don't know where you're. You're maybe rooming with three or four people because you can't make rent. And then you have people telling you, oh, you went to college and you took out that loan. You dummy. Yep. Look at you. And then you feel like you're just being yelled at by the same people who told you to go down that life path. So I'm a conservative, but I kind of like the specific strain I am. I don't know because I want to meet people where they are because that's why so many kids are going off on these left because at least they feel heard. And like, you're right, Tim, a lot of them, they don't have like um, a strong ideological position as to why they just hurt a lot of what are what do we deal with with young people suicide is extremely high drug overdoses a lot of kids are doing escapism because they don't know they just grow up hearing you know everything's evil you know if you get married have kids get a job you're only working for the man and then kids who actually do want to do that they find it's very hard to do this so they kind of feel like wow i don't know i'm tugged in both directions and then this is the only side that it seems like they're listening to my pain at least so i'll yeah. just mold myself but to the, whatever the they're problem saying. is is that they're prescribing more poison to alleviate yeah, exactly. what is already exactly. damaging them yeah. so uh i agree with you though it, it doesn't it doesn't reach them because 
they have gone through 12 plus years of indoctrination into this ideology. Mm -hmm. So if you just go, well, in truth, it's actually the minimum wage. It's the reason that you weren't able to get a job. And now uh, that's why you went to college. You took on all the student loan and it's all it's actually all a product of the government. But then you have a guy who's running for president who's like, I'm going to get rid of that student loan and you're not the problem here. They're like, well, that sounds awesome. I couldn't tell you how many people, because I did go to university, mm -hmm. who were like, Bernie Sanders sounds great, free college. Yeah. Like, yeah. that would be a great idea. This yeah. is the worst. I'm going to graduate with debt. I think you're completely right that people, uh, I love a lot of the ideology that comes with being conservative. I think, you know, working hard and being self-reliant are honorable skills. But what does that look like when you're 18 and you have no work experience or don't have a lot of work experience mm -hmm. and no one will hire you? I think it's easy to become discouraged because that's the best thing about being young. You are incredibly hopeful and optimistic and you just want to go and do all the things. But if you can't move out of your parents' house and gain independence because you are financially strapped from the beginning, it becomes... Uh, sort of difficult to look at that person saying like well just try harder keep working yeah. and be like are you are you kidding <laughs> yeah you do have to work this is a big mm -hmm. part of it is you need to work 12 hours a day to succeed in this life especially now you need to be the one that's there first or at least that you're willing to spend 12 hours doing what you love five days a week and Even you you know what what he was just talking about with the algorithm it's like that eight hours that's the baseline that everyone else is putting in mm -hmm. well you double it and then it actually creates an exponential growth curve once again. And if you can do that earlier, then that curve has a chance to arc even more exponential as you get older. So like I did the same thing in my 20s and because of that, I was able to retire at 37 years old. Like most of my friends were not willing to make those sacrifices. So if you can if you can actually view it that way, like where if you just make it a little bit better, if you do 10% more or 20% more when you're younger, that exponential growth curve actually works in your bit in your. Uh, and then what you do, it's really simple. You uh, in 2010 buy Bitcoin. Well, that that helps too. buy a few thousand of them and then just forget. And then 10 <laughs> years later, you're a billionaire. Investment is certainly part of it because it's the same way you work more. You make a little bit more than everyone else. Exactly. The investments mm -hmm. start to compound on themselves. Bingo. I think you have to make choices that you that don't sound glamorous in today's day and age like it sounds more fun to live in the city and get to do whatever and spend all your money but like is it more financially prudent to live somewhere that's more expensive or less expensive so you can save money to eventually buy property yep. i think it's difficult in indulgence culture which is what i completely believe we're in right now to say look you have to make a decision for your long term we live in a now culture like i want satisfaction right now i don't want to have to say no to something knowing eventually it will lead off like you're saying like you had to put in extra work when you were young but i don't want to because i want to go off but, and do this other thing and, and the reason kids won't is because they have so much hopelessness mm -hmm. that it's like i would rather because i'm going to be battling this battle forever well then let me enjoy yeah. now you know, but and I'll, I'll, I didn't feel that way when I was a kid. Yeah, so I think that's, that's a huge that's difference. That's just heartbreaking. The, the amount of people I say here who are like, well, I'll never be able to buy a house. I'll never be able to get married. I'll exactly. never do whatever. It's it's sort of like, yeah, I would I and, would hate all of and, this too. And that's all Fed policy. And this is why the libertarians, and this is why I get so activated about Federal Reserve, even though it's so wonky and so cold and dry and such a boring concept to most people. But this is the reason that the Ron Paul revolution existed. This is the reason that people like me be, became so activated. Because once you understand that manipulating the money supply, the price of money, the most important market mechanism that exists, well then- the whole system's broken. Is so, there? of course, the young person who knows they're never going to be able to afford a house becomes hopeless and lives in the present and spends and borrows unnecessarily because they don't think that they have a future. And yeah. they're probably right. Mm -hmm. But who is responsible for that? 
Well, then let me ask you, because you would know obviously a lot more than me, and I am genuinely curious, because obviously there's a term that is getting a lot of buzz right now, uh, anarcho-tyranny, right? About yes. like anarchy in the streets, uh, tyranny at the in, top. In the sheets. It, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like you could be a, you could be a murderer, basically, in right. like the streets of a major city, and you can get out, you know, with pretty much, you know, slap on the wrist, but then you don't do everything correct on your taxes, the IRS is going to be knocking on your door, mm. saying those threatening letters and stuff. So anarcho-tyranny. Is there something similar? Because you're right, we are living in like almost like a gluttony age and overindulgence mm -hmm. age, but yet we also don't have what we need. So is there, there's like a weird thing, like young people today, like we have all the new phones, we have fast fashion, we have a lot of like cheap stuff. And I know a lot of that from some of the libertarians, I was again, dipping my toes and I don't know as much right now, sure. but they were saying like with inflation over time, that a lot of goods are made more cheaply now for sure because of that. And so I wonder if there's like a similar term to describe like as anarcho-tyranny, but for like our goods where you have a lot of young people who were satiated and overindulged in these kind of like trivial matters, you know, buy the video games, buy the fast fashion, we can go to the mall, we have that kind of money, but we don't have the money for what actually matters in life, like the home, the car, the marriage, yeah. the whatever. So the, it's almost like a weird, because again, when I was coming up as a normie conservative, this, what would I always say to young people? Why are you so depressed? Where you live in the most wealthiest, prosperous time ever. Mm -hmm. and, and that is true. But then also you're looking at, well, people are spiritually impoverished. Mm -hmm. People don't have the same faith in God and family because back in the day, you're ill. Your family's there to take care of you. Now it's gets kind of outsourced in a sense. You get yeah, sent to the, the old people's home. Where and you they're, get, they're fueled by envy, right? Yes. They, they yeah. think they should have these things and they don't have them. So you become immensely frustrated with society. And again, we have taught people that, well, actually, all your problems are someone else's fault, yeah. right? But, but keep in mind, too, that because you now have uh, Social Security and Medicare, Medicaid, like... Your 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 assumption is that you don't need your children to take care of you in mm -hmm. old age. So so what does that mean? You don't necessarily care about taking care of your kids. Mm -hmm. It doesn't give as much of an incentive to do so. If you're most, if you're a good pe person, you're going to do it anyways. But I'm just saying, like all of this is incentive manipulation that comes as a byproduct of state intervention into our culture, our economy, most specifically, and then it tr trickles down into the economy and it degrades the foundation. This is why I'm such a big proponent of Bitcoin, because I believe that it has the capacity to remedy many of these cultural ills. So we'll see how it plays out. But I, I think that ultimately the reason I don't agree with Tim that this will be a uh, the new religion of the next millennia or whatever is because it is... So it is self-devouring. We will end up in ruin if that is the case, and I just yeah. I refuse to believe. And then a real religion will appear because some prophet will that's, stand. That's up. my belief. Or um, if it, if, or the, if the track Satoshi. for the new religion is actually Abrahamic, then it'll be some re resurgence of of Christianity. Actually, yeah, mm -hmm. I think so. So that, I think you do see. I mean, that's, there that's are. The, Inverse possibility. Yeah. I think there are... There's some revivalism. Yeah, especially in like other... I think it's Kyrgyzstan right now. There's some crazy uh, wave of young people. Like there are countries where the biggest growth of church attendance is among young people, which of course it would have to be if you're going to develop a religious country. Now, what if these are the end times, <laughs> revelation, and what not, is going to happen... impossible. What is actually going to happen is the new religion will actually be set after the second coming. So That's all of these things that are happening, like the mark of the beast, you cannot buy or sell unless you bear the mm -hmm. mark and things like that. What if all these things really are coming true? And then there is the second coming 
And then the new religion for the age of Aquarius actually is the ex the, 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 the newest, you know, expansion upon Christianity to the next. The only you know, downside of that, I love it, but I don't like the waiting for someone to come save us because we have to save ourselves. This Agreed. is a reoccurring theme. Absolutely agree. The second coming is within all of us. Like each of us, if each of us can step up and become the Christ in our own life and treat other people with that, I think that's like the resurgence or the, or the new society that can overcome corporate greed. Other than that, corporate greed's too powerful. I don't see anything other than other than Oh, state power is way more powerful than corporate greed. Like just the barrel of a gun? Yes. Like weaponry? Yes. Yeah. The yeah, only you, way to you, defeat weaponry is to change the minds of the people that hold like the weapons. You the, or the hearts a, of the even state government can raid a Fortune 500's office and arrest the top executives exactly. and then destroy the company. But the, McDonald's can't go arrest the president. But I who runs the show? Is it the state of the United States or is it Halliburton and Lockheed Martin? Not Halliburton, Lockheed Martin. I mean, like, it's a revolving door, so it like, who knows? But regardless, the, the monopoly on violence exists within the state, not within the corporation. So I think that they take the cake in terms of power uh, wielding. Are Do you, Kara, do you get into like revelation? Do you Have you studied that stuff much? Well, Are, so, am I going to be saved or not? <laughs> so I'm a Catholic. Um, so for me, I know, I think Christ even says in the New Testament that even he doesn't know the hour nor the day. So that's not something I, if Christ himself's not going to predict, he's everything. the God man. Come on. He's the God man. I'm not going to. Um, predict or anything um what i do know is obviously all of us are going to die um whether or not the second coming comes first before that doesn't matter we're all going to die and so to get ourselves right with god one thing i know in my personal life is i see god moving through my life very obviously bringing me first of all here to this fun podcast with all of you lovely people um into my job and stuff so i'm a very i have my scalp uh, scapular actually on right now so uh -oh. i th i think i think but, i figured it out or finish. Nice. I don't want to interrupt. Oh, no worries. That was what is that? I think I figured it out. Scapular. So here's what I think happened. Klaus Schwab, you know, when he was a teenager, he acts, he, 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 he was depressed and angry <laughs> and he tried to take his own life, but only briefly as he was resuscitated. But in that tiny moment, he was sent to hell because it's a mortal sin to commit suicide. And for him, it felt like an eternity, but he was resuscitated. And now he knows that he's committed this mortal sin. And no matter what he does, when he dies, he's going to hell. So he is trying to, you know, seek immortality well, maybe, and then create this new dominant religion and take over maybe so he that makes he can it never. Hell on earth, he'll live forever. This is actually the theme of like two different things, like Constantine, <laughs> the movie, where he's like, he knows he's going to hell because when he was a kid, he, he tried to kill himself. And then I think this was um, Shadowlands and World of Warcraft. El uh, uh, Sylvanas was like, no matter what I do, I'm going to like this whatever region. So she shatters the veil between the afterlife because she was like, if I'm going, everyone's going with me. I will say one interesting thing that I noticed and one of my producers, he's actually filling in for me today, Chris Boyle. Uh, one of our big conversations is it's interesting that in your rights with the, the, the atheist age came in. I think a lot of that is actually motivated by, motivated by big data. The idea that see, man, you're nothing. Mm. We can, we can predict everything about you. So there's actually nothing special and unique about you. It's kind of like the idea you're just where earth is nothing special, just a floating rock. And it's one of many planets. Y'all, Yada, yada. Um, however, that doesn't resonate with people. Like maybe at first when you're kind of rebellious and a kid, whatever. But I think people kind of grow out of that because the need for belonging for higher purpose, it's everything. Because if you look from the beginning of time and even on like, you know, what you can't see in the invisible world of pathogens and stuff, everything's eating each other. Everything's killing each other. Sometimes you feel like, you know, it's a struggle to stay alive every day. And yet we still find meaning and purpose, even though we, we know that. So 
I, I think one thing that we've noticed a lot right now with politics specifically is that even the official uh, like religion is kind of, you know, obviously you talk about the pew numbers going down, uh, people affiliating as nuns as like none as in religious affiliation. But you see a resurgence almost in like witchcraft, a cult. You see that a lot on TikTok for young people, the crystal shops everywhere, tarot card shops everywhere, palm reading. I know in Ukraine, they were doing the Viking, like, the, you know, pagan ritual for some of the deceased fighters. They were one of their state official accounts was doing hexes. So it is kind of strange. It's similar to how like Dawkins and stuff, they would say, we don't believe in God or a higher power. And yet they talk about evolution and natural selection in a way like it was an omnipotent With reverence, force. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's an omnipotent force. I'm like, but this is just accidents it's not like a guided force but they would talk about it like a guided force people talk about the universe or karma like it's almost a god but they say i don't believe in a sky daddy yeah, yeah, but the yeah. universe is directing me i'm like wait a second so c.s lewis would say that in the same way we hunger because we need food to live we thirst because we need drink to live we hunger for the divine for worship for adoration it's a universal that through anthropology that all human cultures that we found has some have some supernatural belief attached to them it's something that mankind is it's like innate in us uh, we're looking for that proper outlet for it um, but I think that's why we can never get away from the paradigm of man has to worship something I, I've, so politics otherwise Murray Rothbard wrote in Anatomy of the State that it, in the absence of his books right now good <laughs> you're on your way you're going to be one of us in no time uh, in the absence of the state that there would either be uh, statism or scientism, and and th that the state would probably use scientism. And then you look at Anthony Fauci. I was rereading Anatomy of the State during the lockdowns, and I was like, I know exactly what you are, Tony. I, I don't consider myself uh, Christian. I say this all the time. I believe in God. I don't really follow any like scripture of any religious institution. But I got to say, over the past few years, the more I've seen, the more it certainly felt like angels and demons the more it feels like a nefarious, malevolent presence seeking to subvert something more divine in this world. Well, then allow me, if, if you'll allow me to, um, to posit one theory. So obviously, like, I think that your algorithm theory, I think that that is very, very true to kind of how we got here and everything's kind of exploded. Because a lot of people say, it seems like it just kind of came out of left field, a lot of this stuff. And I know the I ideologies go back many decades. But I think one thing is, at least for me as a Catholic, so again, this is just my theory. People just can take or leave. I'm not trying to push anything on anyone. It's just something to kind of mull over. One idea that I think is strange is how I can be doing my show on a ra random Tuesday night. We're talking about, I don't know, a drag queen who's naked dancing in front of kids. And you see the moms brought the kids there for the, for the express purpose of seeing a naked dance. They're not shocked. They're like, oh, I didn't know. I thought this was family friendly. Like, they're there for that reason, yep. actually. You've seen the in the Washington Post, there's a woman who wrote saying, yes, I bring my toddler to uh, to gay pride parades for the kink, and I want them exposed to that. So I think, wow, this is very strange, how and why. For me, at least as a Catholic, believing in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're a family at heart, reflected in the Holy Family, which is a representation of them on earth, and then including the God-man himself, so he's in both. Uh, so St. Joseph, then the Blessed Virgin Mary, and Jesus. So um, the mother, father become one through marriage, and then through their love, they create a child. They're open to that new life. So with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
sexual love and you see a lot of saints actually in the catholic church talking about ecstasy climax and stuff and sexual relations that it's a shadow of things to come a full union with god because for us as catholics the idea of being in the church is your spouse of christ and so the idea for heaven is that you are fully one with god in a spousal union that's why throughout the bible uh wedding feasts are so prominent the wedding feast of cana um the marriage feast of the lamb uh heaven being described as a wedding feast as a feast itself uh so a lot of it is these kinds of themes so if God is the foundation of all reality and all that exists, and love is the center of that, and sexual relations on earth, which is why the church, why we have morality so strongly, it's not because we have arbitrary rules, it's because it's guiding your soul to grow and to be better, um, and not to be deformed or malformed, well then, if all of this is true, no wonder that when you pull away God and try and remake society in your own image, because that's what leftism is, right? That reality is not itself. It can be manipulated. It can be changed. We can remake reality. So if that's true, if that's what we're trying to undo, then no wonder the, the seam that we see splitting is sex specifically, whether it's the drag queen story hours, whether it's just any of these other debates that we're having. I think women, that's Women vote why. Democrat, that's men vote conservative. Like Th that overwhelmingly. Tends to be, yeah. Yeah. All right, shall we go to Super Chats? Let's do it. Oh, if you man. haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends if you do like it, and become a member by going to TimCast.com and clicking Join Us to get access to the uncensored members-only show archive. We do those live Monday through Thursday at about 10, 10 p.m. And uh, you can join the Discord and chat with other like-minded individuals, build community, and other cool stuff. We're going to be doing... We didn't do it today, but we've, we've set up a system by which we can now select companies that our members actually run or, or programs they have. So that's our sponsor spot for Fridays. So hopefully we'll get that going next week. Meaning if you're a member, you're basically sponsoring the show already. We'll shout out one of your comp We'll shout out a company from each of you once per week. I'm really excited for it. Um, let's, uh, let's read some more. Uh, let's read some super chats. All right. Shaky Own says, I got an email about a Timcast gift and was told it would be shipped by the end of the week, but I haven't heard anything. Not complaining. Just curious. Um, I think I heard something about that. Do, that. do we know what that's about? No? Someone well, someone was telling me something. They were going to be sending members some stuff. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't I've know. seen some updates in the Discord. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I know there is like every day... Uh, Brett and Andrew are working on that Discord and improving it. Yeah, and there's better. Like so it could promos be and stuff. That. Yeah, maybe maybe you got randomly selected for some promo or something. So, all right. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, "Tim, my dude, are the culture wars only getting better, or is that just me? Not sure about Vivek, but now I'm digging him. You turn us on to so many. Yeah, I, I guess um, the latest episode of the Culture War podcast. It's episode number seven. YouTube.com/slash/TimCast." Or check it out on Apple and Spotify. I had a two-hour conversation with Vivek Ramaswamy. And, uh, man, that dude is very, very smart. I'm really excited to see him on the debate stage. He's running for president, obviously, as a Republican. I think he's going to give... I, I think he already just pushes DeSantis way, way down. He, he makes DeSantis look like... When people are like, I think it's going to be Trump or DeSantis, I'm like, I'm not so sure. Depending on how much attention Vivek can actually get. His knowledge of all of this stuff, be it ESG, the culture wars, corporations, pharmaceuticals, his tenacity, his calls to action, I think actually are substantially better than Ron DeSantis. Oh, man. Can, but we'll can see. I, we'll can see. I ask one question? Yeah. Um, I, I've read his book, and I, Vivek's awesome. I, I think I could not appreciate him Vivek. more. Like cake. The vague, like cake. Yeah. I, I could not appreciate him more for shedding light on ESG. When he did, he was doing it very early, along with James Lindsay and others. Um, only thing that I really have a problem with tripling down on the war on drugs 
And and oh, is that is that one of his positions? He he wants to. He basically said he's going to threaten the Mexican government that if they right, don't right, if right. they don't shut the border down and keep the drugs from flowing across fentanyl specifically, that then he will go to war against the cartels. And it's like, well, first off, as an anti-war guy, but also someone who doesn't believe that prohibition of drugs works, I can't believe that this is an appealing stance to take. Uh, even amongst I, the GOP. I, I, I disagree to a certain extent. Talking about securing the border and stopping human trafficking and drug smuggling is like, I think we need a border. Well, I'm fine with that. But uh, you, you honestly not, think you honestly think they're going to stop drugs, Tim? Come on. I, I think... I think Vivek is an outsider candidate who who is actually serious about securing the border and and, and the money. I think he could. I think he could secure the border. I don't think he's going to stop the flow of drugs. But there saying is war, too war much on drugs demand. is different. Saying saying war on drugs is different. Like war on drugs typically, typically refers to like nonviolent offenders being put in federal prison. If we're talking about cartels, which are murdering people and like stringing them up and stuff like that, well, I think that's a fairly popular position that we don't want that to happen. I will but, go but, deep you know, with we'll him be, on we'll this. See. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. All right. Tracer says, for my channel membership birthday, I wish for a Tim emoji with red laser eyes and a ghost girl emoji, but let Mary decide what it should be. Well, all right. Um, I don't know. Someone, someone in Discord's going to make it, I yeah. think. Yeah, someone in Discord yeah. could absolutely. Yeah, if someone in Discord makes that, we could use, you know. Tim oh, with did laser you eyes. see the one of you, but it looks, it's like a religious figure with a okay, chicken. Boy. It's like they didn't want to post it because it was like, is this too racy to post publicly? Because it's like you as like a saint. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would, I, and I was asked like, oh, you want to run that? I was Excellent like, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't Wh use Whoever it. made that stellar job. It More was, of those. That was hilarious. It's, 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 it's really like, well done. You know, those candles where it's like a saint and he's like, it was, <laughs> it was me with a chicken and a skateboard or something. <laughs> and I was like, but I wouldn't want to actually sell that because of the religious iconography. I wouldn't want to. Yeah. I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't assert that, you know, but it was, was it AI? I wonder. Let me know. Might have been. All right. What do we got here? John Kirsten says, forget Vosh and Kirk or Destiny and Smith. The pairing we actually need is Door and Bannon. Hmm. I'll ask him. But the pairing we actually need is Poker with the Boys, Jimmy Door playing poker with Steve Bannon. Hell yeah. And Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, my God. Dude. So I actually think um, there's That'd a possibility so cool. for some Democrats to actually come and play. If the goal of the show is simply it's a game of poker, we're not here to debate politics. But we will have playful ribbing as long as it's not specific. Yeah. So making a joke being like, you know, if AOC was playing with Matt Gates and then Matt, you know, raised a bat. She was like, you think I'm going to believe anything this guy says? Like jokes like that. Mm -hmm. I think we actually would see some Democrats be willing to come and play if it was like, we're not here to go to war. We're here to like, this is more like, right. you know, we wave the white flag. We have fun. We be human. It's about yeah. building rapport as opposed to actually debating ideas. But I still got to be honest. I really doubt most of them would just say no screw up. Yeah, most would say Wouldn't that. do it. Because they would know their audience is going to be like, how dare you do that? But some of them would do it. It'll be after this show. It'll be a Friday night show, right? Yep. Yep. Friday night. 1030. Right after we wrap. Uh, 10 o'clock probably. Okay. But then I wouldn't be there with the guests for like half an hour. So the, the show would start oh, with, probably with Clint. Yeah. And then you would be like, what up? We're going to get the game going. And then we would. the idea would be to get one guest per week for that show. And then our Friday night guest, if they could as well. That's so we would yeah. have two people. So like. You know, if we had Vivek Ramaswamy, we'd be like, the next part of the show is you playing poker. And who do we have? Who's our other guest? It's like, oh, it's Dave Smith. So, you know, two presidential contenders, potentially. I don't know. Dave hasn't announced. I'm too excited. Yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> and it's just, it's most, it's just table talk. It's not meant to be a serious game. Of, so, so if you don't understand poker, it shouldn't matter. Right. It's more so about people being silly, goofing off and having fun. So, yeah, what do we got here? Bryn Terranova says, I'm a rideshare driver in Austin with over 14,000 rides given. Never again. It's not worth the risk. Oh, yeah, well, I wouldn't say quit driving, you know, for this. I would say don't drive anywhere near BLM, you know, when they're riding. That's probably better advice. But I guess the fair point is 
You don't that know guy didn't know. Yeah. That guy didn't know. And he was just wearing his shorts and a t-shirt. And they were like, oh, you go to prison now. Martin Edgar says, today was my last day of work. Seven years U.S. Army plus 28 years Postal Service, 35 years of federal service and into retirement. On to bigger and better things to piss off the leftists. So where should I start, Tim? Oh, man, the world is your oyster. I don't know. Start Contact with- Scott Pressler and ask him how you can help register voters and ballot chase and ballot harvest where legal. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's an important thing. Nice work, too, on that, yeah, on that career, man, or woman, whoever you are. Nice work. All right. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Ian, after the opening, I was like, F, why is everything so bad in the dumps? But leave it to Ian to remind us of the good out there. Cheers, good sir. Oh, my gosh. If you, dude, first, Rage, what's up? Dude, check out that Culture War show from earlier with him and Vivek. That just, I watched like an hour of it before the show. And I mean, I just walked in, like I I turned it off at 7.15 and walked right up here. And it is just, it's it's really good to see someone that, not only is he a billionaire, nearly, he's like worth 700 million or something. He's he's has solutions and he wants to run not on saying he's an idiot. That's yeah. stupid. He's like, no, I'm going to fix this by putting that there. We can do this to make this better. I have faith in this. It, really stunning and a re- very, very enlightening. Also, did you know the guy gave six figures to the East Palestine? This dump? He, he didn't really even, didn't, didn't even publicize it. He didn't want to say it, too. And he, he found he a, a church to, was, there that was helping people and he gave them six figures. He didn't so, fantastic. So, you know, I, I, I'm look, I'm, I'm I don't I don't pull punches maybe i'm not the best adversarially but if i if i say something i will ask and, and i've said this before trump went down to east palestine he brought supplies he bought food he was with the people and i was like marion williamson didn't do it ronda santis didn't do it vivek ramaswamy didn't do it and i was like fine ronda santis hasn't announced but vivek and marion could have gone so i asked him outright i was like look marion williamson she's running too she didn't visit these people and then i was like also you're running and i had to, I had to ask why you didn't and he said the first thing he said was he had just announced, like, you know, a couple weeks pr- pr- before, but he was like, these people actually voted for Trump. Trump showed up for them. They mm-hmm. were there for him. He was there for them. He was like, for me, if I showed up, it felt like, bring a camera. I'm like, that's a stunt. But he was, and, and it seemed like he really didn't want to have to say it. But he's like, no, I wrote a six-figure check to donate to people who needed it down there. And I didn't want to make a big deal or say anything to anybody. I thought they needed it. And then I was like, but you have to say it. Because if you don't say it, people assume you did nothing and you don't care. Right. And then if you do say it, people are like, oh, he's doing a stunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he seemed like he I, I, I think he genuinely was frustrated that he had to publicly admit to helping these people because he did not want to be a spec. He, he didn't want to make it a spectacle. Let, let me just say real quick. Can you imagine how much better of a world we would be living in if you could have Jimmy Dore of the People's Party, Dave Smith of the Libertarian Party, RFK Jr. as the Democrat and then Vivek Ram- or Vivek. Ramaswamy as the GOP. That's a much better field, oh, folks. That's a much, much better let's field. Let's have that debate. Yes, let's do it. All right. Damage Controlling says, Tim, I'm upset. You had the Vivek on your show, and you didn't ask him about the Sunder or Keening. How can you hope to destroy the heart of Lorcan and defeat Molag Joe now? Is this how you honor the Sixth House? Does anyone understand that reference? I'm, like, I'm looking at you. Sounds Ian. like some buzzwords up in that. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Jargon. Um, it feels like a spell cast on Ian. The Lorcan. <laughs> Lorcan. I think he's making it up. Cool name, I though. Know. I'm writing a fantasy novel, by the way. It's just coming out so easily. <laughs> All right. Let's grab some more super chats. Eric Miller says, Tim, regarding poker with the boys, why don't you do a rake, cover your cost, and the rest goes to a charity or cause that the, that the Discord votes on every week? That way, politicians can play and their winnings would go to the rake. So I'm the rake. That probably wouldn't work, right? So here's the thing. We got to pay for the space. We got to pay for the dealers. 
We gotta, uh, we've got to pay for the electricity. We've got to pay for general materials. We've got to pay for security. We have to have a manager on staff checking people in and out. We've got to pay for, I think we're going to need three people to run the show itself because you're going to need someone to handle general cameras and stuff like that. Then you're going to need someone to actually, when, when the RFID readers read the cards, tracking bets going in, things like that for people to be able to follow along. Yep. Travel, production. There's a yeah, lot. Oh, yeah. Paying for guests to fly out. If we're like, hey, we want you on the show. That's like that's that's going to be like two grand hotel for two or three days. Then we got to get the car to bring them out to where the, where the shop is. Plus, plus you want to have some money for the people to be playing against each other to try and win. Well, they got to buy in. Oh, it's going to be that way. We're, oh, we're looking we're, we're looking at a standard gaming license for a buy in. I'm thinking like a one two game. You know, they buy in for 300 bucks. Dude, I'm going all in every time against AOC. And then depending on who it Random. is, we like, but to a certain extent, we may cover the buy-ins for certain people. If someone's like, dude, I'm not really a poker player. I don't want to, like, we'll, we'll, we'll cover your buy and have fun. Okay. But for like, we want it to be a legitimate game where yeah. there's actual table stakes. That'd be amazing, man. There are other options for how we could run it. I think having it be a legitimate, just fun game where poker is ancillary and it's a table talk that makes it work. But we've been trying to figure out how to do it. And we were like, maybe the show will make money in super chats and clips to the point where we actually can do the, what your, your idea was. Right. Um, but then we want to make sure we can undercut the competition. We've got three casinos on the East Coast. You've got Horseshoe, Maryland Live, and MGM. Then you have, if you only go about an hour north, you've got Hollywood, York, and Harrisburg, I think. And then if you go an hour west, you've got Hollywood, Charlestown. So there's like five casinos within a couple hours of each other that anyone could choose to go to. I think there's only four poker rooms. How do we convince people to come to our very small and limited seating club and then participate in shows like this, right. we got to be a really, really awesome place. Sure. Figuring out how to do that is going to be tough. And getting dealers to come, we got to make sure we pay the dealers more money mm-hmm. and guarantees. But I think we can do it. We're trying to figure it out. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the show itself will generate revenue so that if we tell people, come play here, and there's no rake. We don't need to take a rake because we make money off the show. Then people are going to be like, then why would I go to any of these other casinos? I'll go to the club True. where I don't got to beat the beat the house to try oh, and play this game. I'm telling you, if there's no rake, you will get a lot of players. Right. Lot. So for people to understand, a rake is when if two people bet, the dealer will take a percentage of it and put it in the house's stack per, that they just take. They take yeah. it. It's usually three or four bucks per hand. Well, at MGM, it's five. I think yeah. Maryland Live and Hollywood, six. That means every time a pot, every hand, six bucks is taken away. Right. You sit there long enough time, you notice everyone's stack is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yep. So, oh, but, this just in: uh, Lorcon is from Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. I don't uh, know if you guys played phenomenal game. And what I've is never... what is Vivek in Morrowind? Oh, Vivek is a god in, in Morrowind. He's one <laughs> See, of the, you knew. One of the, I knew Vivek. You knew. Yeah, he's one of the, I think the tribunal or something. Ian knew the whole time. Along with uh, what were the other gods? There are a few of them. Yeah. So, uh, all right. The way uh, way back says Tim. The fact that it's confirmed that there were at least 40 feds in the crowd on January 6th means the conspiracy theorists were right jars overflowing at this point. Was it that there were 40 feds on the ground or was it there were 40 feds working with um, Proud Boys? Was it on the ground? I haven't seen clear numbers on it, so I'm hesitant to say. I I saw the story about 40 informants or something or feds, Mm -hmm. but I just don't know where they were. I don't know either. I also want to Google it. I think there were feds on the ground for sure. I know know there was like six actual PD. Yeah. Was, and we know they've been testifying in court with right. going on, with what the case going on with the Proud Boys. I mean, Sideways says um, Sideways says amazing interview today Tim really opened my eyes to a new perspective. I thought of a nice saying in hearing him speak, wokeness is weakness. 
from uh, yeah, that's a good one. Well, look, if you, uh, I, I thought Vivek was brilliant. He's a he's a he's a really smart guy. I want to see him poll really well in the GOP. I want to see him standing on that stage having a conversation with Trump because he's going to bring these ideas up that Trump will have to address. And that's a good thing because Vivek knows all about it. My favorite part was when he said, he was like, if I win, I'll have Donald Trump be an advisor. And, and I'm like, that's a bold statement. Like, he'll be my advisor. But um, No, if, you won't. No, thanks. If you if you guys like the show, share it. We've, we're on episode seven of The Culture War. It's a conversational podcast, not news oriented. And so, you know. Very chill. Could use your support. 40 undercover informants were on the ground. Uh, wow. There you Holy go. crap. Jeez. Clinton Rary says, Tim, I live in Austin. The DA withheld evidence to the grand jury to get an indictment. The lead detective accused the DA of witness tampering. The whole case was stacked against Daniel Perry. APD said, stated it was an open and closed case of self-defense. Then if that's the case, then everybody needs to be hitting up Greg Abbott being like, pardon this man, immediately get him home to his family. No questions. Well... Speaking. I'll be in Austin tomorrow. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Don't drive into where Greg's protests. up to. Maybe we can have him on the show. That'd be cool. Greg Abbott, you out there, buddy? You're there. Well, there I, you I tweeted, who do, I, who do I got to call? Is there somebody I can call? You know, because I'll tell you this. This is why I was explaining to Vivek at the end of the show. I'm like, we, we have, what, I think we're the consistently the biggest live show every night. Yeah. But our audience size is not relatively big compared to like Crowder, who gets like 2 million people. Or Tucker Carlson gets 3 million. But most people who watch the large demographic are moderate, former liberals, moderates, slightly conservative individuals. That's why we get so many conservatives who are like, you got to go on Timcast because they know half the time, or I should say a quarter, a third of the audience are people they need to reach that they don't reach in the conservative shows. And the liberals don't get it. Mm -hmm. And so they're seeding that ground, calling me far right or whatever, mm -hmm. when the fact that the Ian's on the show, it's like, what Vosh said he liked you and he told us- I love that guy. But like- their whole thing is like, no, don't go on Tim. K okay. I know. It could be such a fun. That's no, let them, let them lose. the illusion of, of like conflict is, is really it's just like a, you shatter it immediately get to the human. And can well, I just say real fast, talking about like withholding evidence, and I feel like that's becoming more and more common. You hear that a lot, especially in high profile cases such as this one, whether or not it happened specifically in Austin or not is beside the point. We just hear it often. I've had officers on my show who've had to deal with it. Um, and so we can even talk about, you know, to the highest levels with, you know, with Alvin Bragg and the Trump indictment, the idea of everyone says all the legal experts say this is a very weak case, especially trying to, for a guy who's well known for, you know, reducing charges now he's trying to make a misdemeanor into yep. a felony. It seems like he may try to be bank banking on a, a judge who's more in his favor and a jury who's more in his favor because it's Manhattan. And you see this time and time again, and it's kind of the confluence of factors of for so many years of since the left definitely does kind of run the institutions of making anyone um, that they don't like anyone to their right, basically, as, you know, anathema, don't go on their shows, don't talk to them, don't associate with them. Well, then it comes down to even your rights in the legal courtroom. It's like, if you want to, you know, put up a red flag, even if you think Perry is a murderer, whatever, it, even if you just want to say, well, what about his rights though in this case? It's like, oh, so you're siding with an evil man? Right. Yeah. Oh, you, and then now that's in the conversation switches to that. And now you're not even talking about legal stuff well, anymore. I just think that's a scary pattern. We're seeing it really come to fruition. Th now. There's two two quick notes. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really grateful in, in a sad way that Trump and also the J6ers have gotten such a raw deal in the legal system because the right has been the defender of the legal system and the policing yeah. forever and ever. Mm -hmm. And I think it's forcing them to reconsider the the blank check that they had written them for so long. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that you shouldn't support any cops. It's just that like maybe realize that 
once the state has a monopoly on violence and it becomes very overtly political in nature, it may not be your friend. And I think it quite clearly is not their friend. It's the same thing with social media algorithms, in my opinion. That stuff should be freed. There, no humans can control that. And if it goes into the wrong hands, it's disaster. Anarchism, baby. Let's go. All right. Funny Farm in Texas, y'all, says, Tim, we're planning to come to Austin to see y'all Saturday. We live two hours away. Will your meetup be in the evening? Keep up the excellent job. We are fellow chicken farmers. Chickens are great, by the way. So we, uh, we, we've been ordering sushi and playing poker on Fridays these past few weeks. And then we always take the extra sushi and the chickens go nuts. You guys ha- have to see it. because It Tim, is the greatest thing Tim ever. L- giggles like a school child. <laughs> oh, dude. He's it's... so happy watching these chickens <laughs> chase after hold, hold the fish. On. It's great. Imagine watching chickens play football. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. And he's just he's just rolling it's on the like, ground laughing. It's awesome. It's 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 and, and like Roberto Jr. the rooster just watches. He chills. <laughs> he doesn't fight for the fish. He lets the girls eat it. You throw one in. One runs full speed, grabs it, and then they're all running around in circles. Yeah. They're jumping over stuff. <laughs> they're trying to peck it out of each other's mouths. It is a sporting event. That was that was old. a favorite part of my entire Amazing. day. Whenever you talk about I'm gonna go live down by the van and by the river or whatever, I always wonder like, but where are the chickens gonna go? Yeah, we're there's, all chickens. There's yeah. no way you go anywhere without your chickens. You're like well, the most be, devoted chicken. Owner have like met. a little chicken thing. Okay. So um, as for the meetup Saturday, so what we're doing is next Friday is the live event at the Vulcan Theater. We're going to be doing our show in Austin uh, the whole week. We have a really amazing lineup of guests. And then tomorrow, I'm not having a meetup. I'm just going to be mentioning to the elite members in the Discord where I am. And that's it. Because uh, I don't like if I... What happened with John Rich is that he was like, we should play at my honky tonk downtown Nashville. I said, let's do it. And then some crazy person came in and got the whole thing shut down and the police were got called and they were like, we think there's a credible threat against your life. Oh you can't God. come. And then I said, they can't stop me. I'll come anyway. And then they were like, there are children outside this building during the day. We like we, we strongly recommend against. And I was like, okay, you got me. Crazy. Like, I can't if a crazy person's threatening to kill me. And then I'm like, I don't care. That's fine. But it's the downtown area with children and families. So it's like, okay, well, I can't do it. So tomorrow, what's just going to happen is I'll be in Austin. And then I'll just mention at some point in the evening to the elite members on Discord. Hey, guys, we're hanging out here. If y'all happen to be nearby, come swing by and say what's up. But I also, for like the, the restaurant we may be at, I don't want to be like, it's a meetup and then have like 50 people show up in the restaurants like, dude, what is going on here? Right. Like, you can't do a, an event like this. So... But I'll, I'll be mentioning just the elite members that if they're around in Austin. So if that's you, then I'll just post it in the Discord where we're hanging out so people can come say what's up. All right. Where we are. Where, where we are. Where are we? Alabama Elisa says, hey, Tim, my family and I watch your show nightly. My eight-year-old Gabby was in a worldwide premiere of a music video on YouTube last night. It would mean the world to her if you would shout her out promoting it. Artist NF song, Happy. Oh, NF is cool. Oh, is it? Yeah, he's a he's a rapper. I don't know if I've listened to this one yet, but NF is a rapper. And he doesn't curse at all. He's uh, he started oh. like uh, I don't want to say it's like biblical rap, but there his early stuff did have a lot of religious uh, yeah, I think content in it. So he's was, cool. Was it Lisa? Lisa was in this video. Gabby. Gabby. Nice. Yeah, where, job, where did Gabby? Lisa come? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, what's her name? Lisa. Gabby. Nice work. What's the name of the video? Uh, Happy by N- uh, NF. That's exciting. I've been in music videos too. That's cool. You were just in one. I, yes, I was. I was. Yeah, I was right in a Disturbed music video one time. We've got uh, uh, another stricken. another couple songs. So there's a song that I wrote that I played on my Instagram a while ago. And I told Phil, I was like, in terms of like strength and gruffness in the voice, it needs to be here. Here's where I can go. 
here's where Phil Labonte can go. And I was like, I think you might have to see if you can, you know, do this one. Me on pain? I've been practicing. No, Phil singing it. Oh, oh, you're like, oh yeah, Phil's the right like, guy for it. F- Phil is the guy who's got the deep, I can strong har- voice. I'll do. Har- I can pull like dark harmonies. I think that'll make it hurt. Let's, I was like, let's go. It's a, it's the kind of song that needs to be sung by someone like Phil Labonte and not by someone like me. It's just like it's a it's a heavy it's a hard rock heavier you know. All right, what do we got here? Normies get out says Starlink is down globally at the moment and has been for about thirty minutes. That was about an hour ago. I saw that story going around. World War Three has begun. Bummer. Uh, how do it's, it's it's like how does it go down? It's, it's I don't know. Was it thousands upon thousands of satellites in low yeah. orbit? Yeah, that sounds systemic. That's that's could be a too hack. with the uh, and documents that got de- not declassified, but that got the leaked. leaked. Yeah, about how Russians aren't actually losing. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. So I, is that what it was? Like documents got leaked showing that Russia was actually winning in that Ukraine. The casualties aren't as uh, enormous. Like as they were like Western one meetings. tenth of the reported. Which, yeah. by the way, Douglas McGregor and others have been reporting. Pretty right. much along those lines for quite some time. Yep. So. Well, yeah, it's it's crazy to me that people still believe anything coming out of the ghost of Kiev. I know, man. It's all oh, it's all please. BS. But it didn't just start after Russia invaded. The BS about Ukraine has been persistent for decades. Can I, I can I go on a rant? Yeah. Briefly. <laughs> all right. So first off, the World Bank and the IMF absolutely destroyed Russia in the 1990s, and I didn't know anything about this until I read Scott's book. But after the fall of the USSR. The, the West, broadly, but obviously America being the, the leader of the West, had such an incredible opportunity to look at their fallen foe and say, we are going to welcome you into the capitalist West. Because most people don't know this, but the Russian people, after the fall of communism, were extraordinarily open to the idea of capitalism because they were like, well, that sucked. Let's give this a go. And instead of welcoming them with open arms, they were just kicked in the teeth repeatedly by the West and... George Bush's administration, Bill Clinton's administration, George Bush's uh, Jr.'s administration. Year after year, you had both Yeltsin as well as Putin that requested if they could be added to the UN or excuse me, to NATO. They were laughed off, never even given a consideration. And the only requirement that Putin put on it was that he wanted to not have to wait in the normal line, which obviously as a nation with over 6,000 nuclear weapons, you might want to go like, all right, yeah, we won't make you wait. Is and that the, f- the 50,000? No, 6,000. As far as I know, it's 6,000. But the reason he didn't want to wait is because the hardliners in Russia that were super anti-West probably would have toppled him in that interim. So he's just like, look, slap us into NATO. He didn't have the time to wait. Yeah, he's like, I can't wait. If you want me in there, put me in there. Let's let's just accept the fact that we are European. And what do they do instead? They alienate and they drive them into back-to-back depressions over a three-year period that greatly diminishes the the life expectancy of the Russian people. I'm talking late 90s. I was a kid at the time. I had no idea any of this was transpiring. And then, as a, as a byproduct of this, you now have driven Russia not only into war that could have been avoided if our lunatic state department hadn't been involved but also into the arms of the ccp the communists who also have nuclear weapons and oh might i add over a billion people and we risk world war three now when we none of this had to happen none so, of it so you are correct they have 5977 it was at their peak the soviet union had forty-five thousand. yes and and that was the other thing that they were doing they were cutting back on their nuclear arsenal. They ended the Warsaw Pact. They were doing all of these like signs of good faith. And instead of treating them with any sort of respect as a nuclear power, they were just laughed off and abused. And like, this is not to justify or write off Putin's responsibility in the death of countless Ukrainians. And it's absolutely tragic. But to 
right off the West responsibility in this and the U.S. specifically, the Bill Clinton administration, which gets a total clean bill of health. No one even pays attention to what the Clinton administration did to them during that period. But they, along with the IMF and the World Bank, absolutely destroyed Russia. And they they laid the groundwork for a nationalistic rise of a strong man like Vladimir Putin. He probably would have never even been the leader of Russia had it been not for Clinton. It does seem like he's trying to hold on to save the country. That's why he won't let go. And it's like when Bingo. he feels comfortable letting go, it'll just be like, well, is just, that Scott Horton's book? Yes. Oh. Yes. We'll just read uh, one more Sorry. super chat yeah, in here. Please. Rife Technology says, I'm fully against CBDC, but I know there's no stopping it. I already have a contract with the central banks. Ian knows who I am. I got your Rife machine, dude. That's Royal Rife's grandson. Uh, and if you don't know Royal Rife, uh, he was, God, what was he experimenting with? Like healing the body with electromagnetic frequency. So I just received this machine today, and I'm excited to use it. So I'll use it over the weekend, and I'll get back to you and let you know how it is. All right, everybody, if you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button? Or would you perhaps angrily smash that like button and subscribe to the channel? Share the show if you do like it. Make sure you check out the Culture War podcast, Apple, Spotify, and it's on YouTube at youtube.com slash Timcast. We had Vivek Ramaswamy, a two-hour conversation. We talk about a whole bunch of issues, AI, the GOP, Ron DeSantis, his views, I think it's uh, it's really interesting. He made a lot of really interesting points about, you know, what AI is doing to us and things like that, as well as economic plans. And uh, just you'll learn a lot, a lot about who he is. He's running for president and he's getting a lot of traction. I'm really excited to see him on the debate stage because he, he knows so much about what's going on in the culture war better than most people. Check that out. You can follow the show at Timcast IRL, basically anywhere, but mostly like Instagram and Facebook. You can follow me personally at Timcast. Kara, do you want to shout anything out? Oh, um, I guess you guys can follow me on Twitter at Nefertar underscore 25. You can also watch us on OAN. You can Google OAN where to watch. It can help you. You can also download our app. You can watch us there. Live shows. You can watch old episodes. Um, thank you so much for having me, Tim, and everyone else. Absolutely. Like I'm just super, super grateful. Grateful for everyone watching. Very happy to be here. Um, so, yeah, very happy. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Uh, Clint Russell, Liberty Lockdown, as well as Tower Gang. I am just getting my second strike lifted off of YouTube, so go subscribe <laughs> to Liberty Lockdown on YouTube right now. I will be, my very first episode back will be with uh, the father of Julian Assange, Gabriel. Wow. So do not miss that. That's going to be on Monday. I am extraordinarily excited. I, I, the only other time I've cried on my show is when I interviewed Ross Ulbricht's mom, and I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight and not cry during this one. So make sure you check that out. And then uh, last but not least, go to the TakeHumanActionTour.com, pick up the tickets for uh, my debate against Destiny in Memphis two weekends from now. And what, uh, what time is your show going live on Monday on Liberty Lockdown? Uh, don't know yet. Probably afternoon, Monday. Cool. That's awesome. I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. You should go to at TimCast, or you should follow at TimCast News on Twitter and Instagram. You can go to TimCast News, click on the read tab, see all of our work from me, our other journalists. Of course, Chris Bertman is there. If you want to follow me personally, you can follow me on Instagram at HannahClaire.B, and you can follow me on Twitter at HC Brimlow. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, bye, everyone. Ian Crossland, and I just wanted Kara to shout out your Twitter again. It's Nefertari underscore 25. It's yeah. N-E-F-E-R. T-A-R-I yes. underscore 25. Perfect. Good to see you. Thank ya. you. And uh, I also will be at the Minds Fest performing or at least having a conversation uh, this Saturday, this coming Saturday, so a week from tomorrow. That's the day after our Friday IRL show at the Vulcan Theater. You can get tickets, tickets.vulcanpresents.com. I think after the Timcast IRL live show on, the, on Friday at the Vulcan, we're going to play music. Mm. Oh, solid. So we'll see what happens. Cool. But I think, you know, Phil will be there. You'll be there. I'll be there. So be there. maybe we'll just grab someone from the audience who has some songs to play and we'll just we'll go crazy. Cool. Yeah. 
Um, follow me at Kellen PDL. Uh, Ian, when we finally get these religious shows going, Carrie, you should totally come by again because, you, uh, you know, we say we usually have fun on Fridays, but this was really, this was a good one. I was just listening and it was great. We should, we thanks. should do like 13 episodes of like, we call it like Ian's quest. And we get like 13 different religious personalities of different persuasions to sit down and explain their spirituality awesome. to Ian. Yeah, can I dude. can I tell you how much money I would pay to see Jordan Peterson and Ian Cross and sit down for a couple hours? <laughs> Give me that. He knows so. Put much. it right into my veins. <laughs> I'm just imagining Jordan being like, "What? No, Ian, listen. <laughs> Let me say it one more time. Educate me." <laughs> All right, we're good, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. I got a plane to catch very early because we're flying to Austin. So uh, uh, maybe I'll see you down there. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all next time. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.